Shakedown Radio Hours on the air. I'm Gene George. I'm Brody Foster Hubbard. Hey, who's here today? We have Amber Kenny. Amber Hi, Kenny. thanks for having me. Thank you. <laughs> Was I supposed to have more of an intro? Did no. I jump on that? You know, actually, I think we brought you in. <laughs> I, I wanted to get in because we, we were talking before we started recording about a lot of stuff, and I thought it was kind of interesting, so we wanted to get into the show. So. You, usually, there's a more fumfering around with the intro. Uh, so this was this is probably the most business. Let's of just course, get to it. No, I'm <laughs> no, of course, I'm fumfering now. But fumfering, that was probably the most. I don't know if I've heard fumfering. Fumfering, but yeah. You, you it's like need, futzing. Yeah, you don't need to define it. It oh, sounds yeah. exactly like oh, what it is. It sounds like <laughs> a, contextually, you can totally tell. What is that a distant is. cousin of the heffalumps? <laughs> I don't think so. Or woozles? <laughs> no, neither. They're all very whimsical and fun. Mm, whimsical. Yeah, hey, kinda, are we done with whimsy yet? Kind of done with it. <laughs> whimsy and zombies, I think we're done with. Oh, man. If I have to have one more conversation about what I'm going to do when the zombie apocalypse happens, I'm always like, I'll just lock myself in my apartment and die. I don't care. It's not going to happen. Well, right. Well, well I, see, this is the probably statistically would. probably not going to happen. But but here's the here's the uh, I take the pen and teller bullshit approach to the apocalypse, which is right. when the apocalypse comes, chances are you're just going to die. Right. Everyone thinks they're going to be the badass that kills everyone. Everyone, yeah. You're not going to be Mad Max. You're going to be that's it, what brings everybody a, to Hollywood. You're going to be right. you're going to be bulldozed into a mass grave if you're lucky. Well, yeah, I think, I think people are... I'm going to are... be a star and I'm going to survive the apocalypse. Yes. Right. Right, the same right. impulse. Yeah. Well, and you forget the whole, like, you're going to be scared shitless. Like, you forget that little... I, I, no, I'm nugget. telling you right now, I am I am very good in a crisis situation. I, I keep my head. I, I, I'm too dumb to be scared in the moment. It takes a little while right. for, for things to sink in. So I, I'm pretty sure that I'm going to be all right... <laughs> You're but no, 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 no. I'm saying I, I probably will die very quickly, like everybody right, else. Right. Oh, it depends on the apocalypse. Right. Like if there's a nuclear war, you're gonna die. We're in Los Angeles. There's, you know, assuming a Cold War style Russian missile strike, there's about 16, 20 ICBMs targeting the the petroleum stations on the coast alone. What about a Cold War kids style strike? Uh, I think we might all. Well, we, I think we the survivors will envy the dead. <laughs> We got rid of the whimsy real quick in that one, didn't yeah. we? Right. Well, I think the bulldozed into a mass grave part kind of killed the whimsy. But no, I mean the crisis. So I'm not. I'm not easily frightened until later on. Okay. I'm not worried about that part. But but you're probably just gonna die, or you're probably going to. You know. Also, more importantly, it's probably not gonna happen. Well, I'm just talking about apocalypse, apocalypse in general. I'm talking about apocalypse in general. I'm talking about a, you know a global pandemic, which is. Much more likely than a zombie attack. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm talking about things like that. Or just some sort of like, you know, I don't know. Some extremist group pops a nuke over Beijing and China collapses and our entire economy collapses as a result. And you end up with something like the running man. 
in that kind of thing. Things that are much more like. I've heard at least two names of dances in there. Rain Man, <laughs> and I'm sure Pops a Nuke. If it's not, it should be. When you pop it a nuke be. at the club, you know? What, what? Can I get a what, what? All right. Amber Kenny. Amber Kenny. Yes. You have a history in dancing. Yes, I love to dance. I spent my whole childhood dancing. I thought I was going to be a professional dancer. Like, right. uh,. <laughs> and that sounds like a stripper now, unfortunately, always. <laughs> right, but that's right. not what I mean. Um, I think I think Glee has opened up the eyes oh, and the hearts. <laughs> the pole dancers well, and like the no. So You Think You Can Dance. Yeah, There's that... been like sort of a renaissance with mm-hmm. dance. And oh, yeah, yeah. Idea. Well, there certainly is much more renaissance. Of, uh, <laughs> oh, my God, I'm going to punch you so hard. That's a whimsical portmanteau. <laughs> as long as it wasn't Nat- a Natalie portmanteau. AST shout out. How do you do? <laughs> um... But what kind of dance? Modern um, or? Yeah, my whole... Really, my mom put me in dance class when I was three just to make sure that I had any interaction with anyone my age. Right. She wasn't a stage mom at all. It was just like, hey, this will be an activity. And I was like, three years old, like, this is my life. And like, <laughs> took it super seriously. And... Uh, Instantly started taking like three, four classes. Like it kept multiplying, and it—that's it, all I did my whole childhood. It was good. It kept me out of trouble. Um, <laughs> but uh, kept, you, kept you from getting those switchblades. <laughs> <laughs> and I—I oh. I loved performing. Obviously, my whole life. I also did plays when I was really young. But right. uh, I'm not flexible. I have like scoliosis, oh. and I. Uh, <laughs> so you danced really well, but only to one side. Well, <laughs> I sold it. Yeah. So that's why I was like, oh, I'm more of an actor. I was going to say, but you know what? <laughs> yeah. It's per- performance 90%. Right, right. 90%. But I just, I just love to dance. I don't... If you guys... This sounds so conceited, but if you ever see me at a party, hold on to your hats. Seriously. I think I'm going to have to have a party here <laughs> to make this happen. Yeah, I think so. I, I'm, that's like a challenge. <laughs> I'm, I'm, not, I'm not distracted. I'm trying to type a thing to ask questions if people want to ask questions. Oh, sure. Yeah. So, oh. pardon my people rudeness. People want to ask me questions? Oh, yeah, maybe. maybe. I want to ask questions for sure. Ah. Um, <laughs> so, let's go back. Now, you said that uh, this your your mom was getting you activity. Now, you, a lot of people who know, uh, Amber is uh, one of the hosts of the Longshot Oh, podcasts. yeah, we skipped through all that. Sorry. We went right to the yeah, yeah, yeah. apocalypse. Well, we were, we were going to talk about comedy and, and things being and a small world. So yeah. I want to I want to talk about that later, but yes. go do this. So, um, but you, you were from Corona, California, mm-hmm. a community called Glen Ivy. Correct. Now, this is a community started by the Emissaries of Divine Light. Uh-huh. Um, and... Tell us a little bit about that. That's like a, it's a new agey kind of group. Yeah, um, it's, it sounds bad, but I know, I don't know an extensive amount. Mm-hmm. Um, my parents are always really cool about, um, it's, it's a spiritual group. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's based. They started in Littleton, I think, or near Littleton. Yeah, now? um. Yeah, I believe so. Um, that's where the headquarters is. Yeah. Oh man, so yeah. so creepy. There's no, no way out of it. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. Oh yeah. Okay. <laughs> but uh, so that's where like the what the Grand Crystal Wizard lives, or <laughs> what's the how? What's the organizational structure here? What's the hierarchy? Oh brother, it's a mess. Oh, so it's the brother. <laughs> it's a mess right now. Um, and again, I'm I'm not. It was like a. Like a religion-ish yeah. spiritual group that had like a leader. Mm-hmm. And then when that person died out, it, mm-hmm. at one point in, I, spe- I, I think it was the 90s. Again, this is all like 
through my childhood recollection. Sure, sure. Right. I mean, anybody, it's like you're, it's you're, not, you're just like trying to describe like the the ecclesiastical hierarchy of the Catholic Church just having been grown up a Catholic. Right. And <laughs> right. um yeah, and again my parents never like forced me into anything. Sure. Right. Um but it it was really trendy in the 90s mm-hmm. to have um consensus. Right. So they tried to do a lot of things like like making decisions by committee. And what was nice about watching that as a child is that's impossible. <laughs> Nothing ever yes. happens. Yeah. Nothing there's ever happens. There's a reason happens. why there's no true democracy without eventually people just rioting and stabbing each other with pitchforks. Honestly. Yeah. Um, when I read Brave New World and like was learning about utopia in high school, yeah. I was like, ah, ha, ha, ha. <laughs> I get it. And it doesn't work. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's a lovely thought, but there's that whole weird um, human nature thing. Mm-hmm. Like Michael Jackson talks about talk, talk to us about it. <laughs> also, black and white doesn't yeah. matter. Yeah. Uh, Tell him that it's human nature. <laughs> Why? He was a were panther in this video, the, well, and we've discussed were panthers. Was he a were panther? Mm-hmm. Really? Is that yes. a, is that a thing? Is that, that what happens? it's supposed to be? Were panthers? In, in, in I thought it was just Michael like a werewolf. I thought he was a werewolf, dude. He was a plain old werewolf. No, that was Thriller. In black and white, he was Oh, a oh, right, 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 right. I was confusing my... Were- for, for a dude that had to disclaim his... his Speaking of creepy religions... Right. Um, not that I'm assuming yours is creepy, <laughs> but I think I just did. <laughs> um, yeah, he's had to disclaim more than one. Like, he's still alive. He's dead. Uh, he had to disclaim right. a number of times his... This isn't a satanic weird, Yeah, right. Yeah. Even though... Eh, <laughs> I don't know. Not yours. I'm talking about the Jehovah's Witnesses. <laughs> no, they're not a satanic. They're gonna show up and knock on my door if you keep talking like that. They do. Is that, that anyway. how? I think we only. I think we have to say it three times. Right. Um. So I mean, these were intentional community are right. intentional communities <laughs> across the globe. Uh-huh. Um, and one of them is in Corona, and Correct. your folks are directors there now. Yeah, yeah. My my. They weren't when I was a kid, but right. um, they also were there at the beginning in the 70s, mm-hmm. and there isn't anyone else yeah. that have been there from the beginning. So yeah. they're sort of um, the leaders now, which is strange, but, and he's, my dad's the pastor. Yeah. And it's funny, because... <laughs> he's, he's not the Grand Crystal Wizard? What? Because <laughs> I'm saying, if I'm going to, if I'm going to lead a, a religious group, man... Lay it on. Lay those <laughs> titles on me. But I mean, it's an inclusive... Right. Like, I literally... Um, Wh- when was this founded? When was it founded? I don't know about the organization. I want to say somewhere in the 40s. Yes. Okay. But this community was in the 70s. Right, the one right, in right. Corona. Right, right, right. No, I mean the organization in general. Yeah. Right, sure. Um, but uh, my... Oh, man. What was I just going to say I'm about... Sorry, I didn't... No, no, no. I don't know. Well, it, I mean, it, it was... It, it, it well, you were talking about your dad oh, being a no, leader. It was, a, it was inclusive. Like, mm-hmm. Corona, the town that I grew up in, yeah. is in Riverside County, and it's actually incredibly close-minded. It's a cow town. It's, it's a cow yeah. town. Yeah. No, um, my parents... I used to always describe it as, like, a craft singles kind of town. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, like, that's It's sounds- a cow town, and all the dairy products that they raise go into making Velveeta. I ha- one of the sales. friends I had in high school was named Brie, and she didn't know that was a kind of cheese. Oh, B-R-I-E? <laughs> yeah, not kidding. Oh, wow. Um... 
but so it's just like and it's very christian and conservative values mm-hmm. um i remember a girl saying like oh yoga that's a cult and i was like girl don't come <laughs> over to my house like it might actually be a cult um but, um but the community i grew up in was so different than that like right. i knew um buddhist monks that just moved there from korea i helped them learn english i knew jewish people i like it, it was what yeah. jews and corona <laughs> Really, it doesn't happen. The pogroms, um, <laughs> the po- the, I thought the pogroms took care of them. So I had this weird mix because I still went to public school. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. So I had like both going on my sure, whole life. Sure. And you, so you had these, you, and I know that there wasn't um, a lot of kids or maybe any kids right your age. No, none. None. In this community. Yeah. They would, some, there were some age that would come on Sundays for service. Yeah. <laughs> but um, none that lived there. And your education wasn't at all on, in the community, it was all public schools. Correct. Yeah. So you get involved in theater, you get involved in dance. Uh-huh. Uh, what, was your, what was your first inkling that you'd want to do comedy? Did that come later when you, because uh, you went from there to the um, California State University, Fullerton. Uh-huh, I was a theater major. Is that when the idea oh, for... Oh, <laughs> that Now, at Kasuf was, was where your idea for, like, I might want to do comedy, or I know... Um... It was actually much earlier than that. Okay. I was I was the kid who... Um, would just like videotape Saturday Night Live at home and just yeah. watch them on loop. And I was obsessed with comedy. I didn't know what, what, what era of Saturday Night Live. Well, Phil Hartman's my hero. Okay. Um. So, but that doesn't narrow it down much. That's still like yeah. Like, yeah. He was only on for like forty-seven <laughs> <Yeah>. years. <laughs> but um. But I like it all. I. I guess, but what era did you watch? What era did you like religiously? Well, watch? I started watching reruns, so oh, it's hard so to say. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah it's it hard would, to would, say when I what my era was. They would do, uh, syndicate these, or and sometimes on VH1. Yeah. Well, see, I these, these thirty-minute like collections. No, I know, I know what you're talking about, but 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 I'm telling the audience. Oh. <laughs> no, but well, my point is, is is there was there weren't reruns when I was growing up. Yeah, there wasn't. Right. There wasn't a. a gaping voracious maw for content of, mm-hmm. that got recycled over and over again right so i would it, say i was an expert on not really the 70s and not that lost weird period in the 80s the but everything Michael. else like the I charles was, the charles rocket yeah uh, uh, everything else i ate up and knew backwards and forwards right. and recently i've started watching the 70s episodes yeah and it's interesting because um Everyone thinks that the era where they were young was the best era, mm-hmm. but watching those episodes, it was exactly like it is now. There's two sketches that work great, the rest fall flat. Here's... But it, but it, but it was the first time they were doing Here's it. my grand unified theory of Saturday Night Live, and I think I may have said this on the show. I think Ann Beats confirmed this. Oh, yeah. <clears throat> that, that there's... On our show. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> Not to brag. Not to brag. Um, but, but there's... The early shows, there's 10 or 15 minutes of good stuff in right. a 60-minute show. Right. And when it's good, there's 10 or 15 good minutes of sketch. Right. And when it's bad, there's like zero to five minutes of good stuff. Right. And 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 Beats, what, what she basically said is, it just went on. If you, Whatever you had, you went on. And and well, they were filling it. It's live, like they were filling. Yeah. yeah, they 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 weren't trying to do a good show. They were trying to do a sixty or ninety minute show, depending on the era. And that's really what it comes down to. So right. you know, it's like you can't hone those things, and things worked in right. In and I would also argue in the favor of like um, comedy is so subjective. Yeah. So like, what I think really works might be different in your opinion. 
Agreed. You might oh, like yeah, yeah. a different sketch. Well, that I this do. is why th- I think this is why catchphrase based sketches and character based sketches where everyone's already up to speed on it and you know it's like i'm melvin the guy with the huge boil on my neck and it's like everyone's like ha 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 because they've seen it three times and you know at some point someone's going to inadvertently slap melvin's giant boil on his neck and then we're gonna have a melvin the guy on the bull with a boil on his neck movie eventually which will do well enough at the box office so that they will do another one at some point (laughs) you know it's like so after the show, we'll start working on that sketch packet. <laughs> oh, Sounds yeah. Good. Cut, cut that out because someone's <laughs> going to steal that. <laughs> but yeah, and I watched a ton of stand-up. Any stand-up I could find on television, yeah. sometimes it was a little bit difficult to... But like, um, I know, for example, that Dana Carvey special, um, it's so ingrained in me. I, I must have watched it a million times because most of it is like O.J. Simpson jokes. <laughs> <laughs> but like, to this day, I it's like a weird like it's set in a certain time but it's timeless in my brain right right <laughs> your yeah your connection to it yeah. is never going to change even though it's like you know <laughs> yeah the, there's a lot of like slow speed chase right right <laughs> jokes I, I it's been a while since i've like put on an old george carlin record but i would imagine it's the same thing like even though it's so of like that seven I, that lingo I, and... I think i think carlin though the the, the kernel of his joke Jokes are More generally, universal. yeah, they're mm-hmm. generally, he's, he's, you know, that hippie Carlin era stuff is definitely more, while, while very much of its time, you know. Of its time. Yeah, it's of its time, but it's also timeless. Sure. I think more objectively timeless yeah. as opposed to, I understand this joke because right. it's, you know. Marsha Clark. Set up punchline. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Judge Ito. Oh, yeah. That must have been funny because Judge Ito was kind of a tool. <laughs> you know? So, uh, but as opposed to Carlin where, you know, you, you you get the joke because it's a thinker or whatever. Who did the Ito impressions on Saturday Night Live? Do either of you remember? Oh. Because they'd always have the sketches. It'd always right. be uh, Tim Meadows' OJ. Right. It would be. Um... Tim Meadows' Unsung hero of Saturday Night Live. Oh, amazing. For sure. For yeah. sure. But I'm trying to think of who they had to play Ito then. Because there was... Has there ever been an Asian American actor? Yes. On? I think there has. Maybe thinking of Mad TV. Definitely. Well, no. You're, maybe you're thinking of uh, the... <laughs> I'm, thinking, I'm like definitively... Yeah. No, mm-hmm. no. I was going to say you're thinking of Alex Borstein's oh, yeah, stereotypical on, yes. Asian American. But didn't they have a... But no, they had um, Bobby Lee. Right. Yeah. So has there ever been a funny Asian comedian on a... Yikes. Oh, yes! <laughs> he's straight west there. I don't know. I don't know if he's funny or not. I don't pay attention to that crap. So I, I understand that one of the things you... <laughs> right over it! One of the things you did um, in, in the community was you did impressions of everybody in the community. Oh, yeah, yeah. As like a t- like infant. Yeah. I don't even recall it, but my brother like taught me so that he would just say the name of every person in the community and I would do a different gesture and it would crack everybody <laughs> up. So I think maybe that might have been the seeds. But yeah, I was always obsessed with comedy. <laughs> I just looked this up on the Google. Has there ever been a re- regular Asian cast member of SNL? This is just in the Google Digest. Fred Armisen, I just realized, but go ahead. Yeah, Disney part. Yeah, he's, he's, he's half Japanese and um, half Latino, I believe. But... You have a... Uh, the, the Google Digest, it was basically like, has there, the, the question, sure. has there ever been a regular Asian cast member of SNL? Uh, and, and in the Digest, it's like, I saw, oh, I was thinking of Mad TV. Yeah. Never mind. <laughs> <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. That's what everyone does. 
Uh-huh. Fred Armisen's actually the longest uh, lasting te- te- Asian cast ne- member ne- and longest lasting technically Latino speaking. Cast oh wow, Nassim Pedrad. He's so funny. Nassim Pedrad is Iranian or Persian, which is technically in Asia. Everyone, technically, <laughs> even though it's in the larger Middle Eastern sphere of political influence, right? Another question, and this is actually another question that I thank you, Jean, for oh, once no. again unintentionally. Do I have to describe the Middle East crisis? Yes, no. please. No, uh, but just a quick question. This before. is our regular segment. <laughs> Solve it. Be- before we move on from the emissaries, uh-huh. um, there are a lot of communities around the country. Got it. Uh, I'm sorry, around the world. Uh-huh. Did you ever visit them? Did yeah, you- I, I, um, I've been to the one in Colorado a lot in, as a kid, mm-hmm. and when I graduated college, I spent a month in South Africa with my parents, and we visited the communities there. It was awesome. I loved that place. Very cool. Uh, um, uh, Rob Schneider's half Filipino. Oh, okay. Oh, yeah. So the, Good. So, so we've established <laughs> Emissary is not a cult. Right? Saturday Night Live, not adverse to Asian sketch actors. Well, at least... <laughs> 50% max, it seems. So, so far, they've had an entire Asian cast member if you could fuse the right, Asian halves right, of Fred Armisen. Right, right. And... Which we do not encourage. <laughs> I think we have to do it in the name of science now. <laughs> Anyone have uh, Armisen or uh, or Rob Schneider's numbers? On speed dial, mm-hmm. yeah. You can right. tweet it to us. That's, that's right. At Shaky Town Radio. At, at Shaky Town Radio. So, Amber, you, you had these travels. Uh-huh. You end up at college. And travails. And travails. It's been rough. <laughs> um, you, uh, at, at what point did you decide to not do dance, not do theater, devote yourself to comedy? Oh, that's interesting. Um, I always wanted to do comedy, and I even, like, even when I was doing dance, if there was, like, oh, there's a part that's funny, I got it. Hmm. Um, and I was, like, funny in school. Yeah. <laughs> That's so dumb and means nothing, but, <laughs> like, if you... One read... might say a class clown. <laughs> I wasn't voted class clown, but I was voted most likely to be seen in Hollywood. I live in Hollywood. Prophecy came true. <laughs> but, um, but yeah, like... But, but you know what? Most, most likely to be seen in Hollywood, because <clears throat> when I was growing up, Hollywood was it's Hollywood's pretty skeevy now. Hollywood was super duper right. skeevy when I was growing up, like almost Skid Row skeevy, and not the horrible band. Like, what well, kind of the horrible band? <laughs> but but most if at my age, if someone had been voted most likely to see in Hollywood, it would probably be because they were a huge drug addict. Well, in defense of my high school's yearbook, <laughs> I don't think they were talking about geography. I think no. they meant like. Sure. Like, a star. star. You're going to be a star. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. you, you know, kid, you've got moxie. I don't think they're talking about, like, where, like, this person's right, most right, right, likely right. to be seen in Montrose. <laughs> right, right. Like, I don't think. <laughs> you're going to be urinating off the curve on right. the corner of, like, you know. Yeah, exactly. I don't think they were guessing where we were all yeah, going to live. That was, that was the, uh, that was the, when people wanted to go see Hollywood when I was growing up, it would be, we'd see how many people we'd see pissing on the sidewalk mm-hmm. as we would drive through Hollywood. Right. Usually now it's, like, down to, like, under half a dozen, <laughs> since they've cleaned things up a little. Right, right. I, I rarely see uh, public urination yes. in the daytime. You or, could smell it though. Oh yes, you can smell it's it. It's still happening. Yeah. Oh no, it's not. <laughs> oh, have you been to my alley? <laughs> yes. I got a whiff the other day. I, I parked behind Breaking Bad when I was in here. Yeah. Last uh, time we were here, uh, that was last week. 
No, week four. We should explain that uh, by Parking Behind Breaking Bad, he means that there may, may, there may very well be a meth trailer in my neighborhood. Yeah, yeah totally. We're not certain. If it ain't, it should be. Yeah. I'm going to I'm gonna give him some seed money because that <laughs> thing totally needs to be a rolling meth lab. Mm-hmm. Anyway, yeah. I got a big whiff of that, Alec P. Yeah. There's something about it. Makes you feel alive. <laughs> That's, yeah. Carpe diem. I, but I wonder, you know, I, I, it must be that like steady diet of like cheap 40 ounce beer, no water. Right, yeah, it's not, they're not well hydrated. PM hot dog ends in or my, whatever in, hobos in, eat these days. Well, in my alley's defense, we do live very close to a string of bars and it could you be do. the people walking you back do. to their cars before they drive home drunk, mm. so. Bar cars. So it could be rich people's pee. Yeah. Come on, guys. It don't be judging. <laughs> it don't smell like it. PSP is PSP. You know the thing about those rich people is they think their pee don't stink. <laughs> they do. They're wrong. Yeah. Especially asparagus. <laughs> yeah. It's true. Beet pee. Have you ever had beets? Like eaten like a like a fresh beet salad? No. Uh, I mean I some, have, but some people in some people it turns their urine um orange. Oh. Which can be exciting, frightening. <laughs> yes, exciting, exciting in the term agitating in, in the, yeah. the agitating sense. Right, it's happened to me before. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> so yes, I was funny in high school. <laughs> Way to bring that one back on topic. So ever you end up in the uh, UCB so, at some point? Yeah, well, um, at some point. I did that classic thing. Maybe it's classic. I have to tell myself it's classic because it's the way I could like look at myself in the mirror. <laughs> but uh, I uh, graduated college and was immediately paralyzed with fear. Right. I couldn't even leave my apartment. I like went to work and like came home and watched TV. Yeah. And was just like, what am I doing? And I'm so yeah. I was like too scared to try. What you? What you, uh, you? What was your major? Theater. Oh, theater. Yeah. I was an actress. Oh, yeah. And yeah, you should be paralyzed with this. <laughs> so yeah. Boom. And yeah. you end up back in the community. Yes, I lived there for a year. Then I moved to... I'm going to think of this as like big, like a big love compound. Can I do that? Yeah. I know it's not. You can. I'm like just, like Juniper Creek. Yes. Yes, yes. Like Juniper <laughs> Creek. Not not like the not suburban yeah. houses. <laughs> houses. Um, then I moved to beautiful Van Nuys with my then boyfriend because um, that was moving to LA. Right. I was misguided. <laughs> no, no. See, the hatred for the valley, I do not understand because it's not like it's that much better over the hill. And frankly, Van Nuys... The nice parts of Van Nuys are way nicer. <laughs> I wasn't most... in the nice parts. I know of Van you were. <laughs> I know you were. I know you were. I've never been in the nice parts. The I only time like I've ever find them. the only time. Well, I I, I know we're there. Um, when we the, visit the dark forest. Well, that's that's yeah. That's 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 like the middle class part of Van Nuys. No, there's like there's like a <laughs> you nice know the whole case system. Of Van totally, Nuys. I grew up in that. Um, one of my friends, um, her mother passed away. Was twenty. 25 years ago at this point, 24 years ago at this point. But um, they lived in like, there's a strip of really nice houses like towards Ventura Boulevard. Mm-hmm. And they're really nice. And we went there for the after, I was going to say after party. <laughs> in a we went there for the wake or hot dish thing, whatever. <laughs> Condolences, so sorry. Your mom looked rather natural. Worst corpse I've ever seen. <laughs> oh, I'm like I've seen a whole bunch of corpses. Wait, are people really looking to hear that they're 
Yeah, Both like, the ones looked natural. Yeah, it's the weird. Is that it's like the that people she looked peaceful hear? and yeah. I, oh, peaceful. yeah, and yeah. It's just I've like, never heard natural. Very rude. <laughs> it just seemed very clowny to me. I'm like, maybe that's why I, I never <laughs> met her mom. So maybe that's what she was like all the time. But uh, uh, but she looks real like a natural. Like she was born to be like, dead. Yeah, totally. <laughs> Aren't we all born to be dead? Hmm? Whoa. Hmm. That uh, reminds me, by the way, of this uh, sketch that you let did. Let me finish. We'll put let, up on the site. Let your, me finish my story. This nice dress sketch. Oh, awesome. Me, I, that's all I'm gonna say about. Let it. me finish they my have story. To go to the website. Let me finish my story. <laughs> that's all I had to say. They lived in a nice house in Van Nuys, a really, really nice neighborhood. Like, I didn't know that those things existed. Right. My, my experience in Van Nuys was like Sherman Way in Van Nuys, like going to the Arby's, which is now like a weird taco place. And like going with my grandfather to like the urologist on Van Nuys Boulevard and weird things like that. <laughs> my grandfather's an old man. You go to the urologist when you're an old man. That's, that's why you know so much about Orange Pete. <laughs> that's why I know a lot about a, a whole horrible slew of old people things. <laughs> yeah. Yes. To answer your question, yes. That's exactly why I know about gerontology and various other things. Horrible. Don't talk about gerontologists. Gonna... They'll sue. It's true. L. Ron Hubbard. You mean, you mean my uncle, Ron? Yeah. My uncle, Ronnie? <laughs> the Commodore. <laughs> you know, he did style himself a Commodore. Yeah. Have you been watching Boardwalk Empire at all? No. Dabney Coleman. I don't, you, I don't it, have things. Dabney Coleman. <laughs> this is why we can't have nice things. Buffalo Bill, 9 to 5, Dabney Coleman plays a major power player in 1920s New York. It's a role I've never well, Atlantic seen. Atlantic City. Atlantic City. East Coast. Right. Nice. Pretty amazing. Yeah. He's, he's still got it. I'll have to check it out on DVD at some point. All right. You should. It's a good show. Once you get over the Steve Buscemi as a man of power and influence, because... <laughs> you still think of him as Mr. Pink? Like, I still think of him as Mr. With the bag. I still think of him as Fargo. In Fargo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. I think of him as more bumbling ah. than uh, hard. Like that one word you said at the beginning that I don't remember. Fumfering? Yes. <laughs> I could totally see him. All I've been doing all day is fumfering around my yard. It's like, okay, Steve, I totally get that. <laughs> that was a pretty good Buscemi. Yeah, it was. Yes. <laughs> wow. I'm like, totally. I impressed myself. Between you I, and Amber's community. Uh, people impressions. We could have, <laughs> we could have a new Saturday Night Live. <laughs> we could have a new catchphrase. I'm, I'm movies. Hamper, what's what's that one dude from Mad TV? But uh, uh, Frank, Frank Caliendo. Frank Caliendo, the guy. Who, I could be the next Frank Caliendo. Too horribly obese to play anybody that I do my impressions of. <laughs> like fat, I'm Fat Bush. <laughs> what? <laughs> like yeah, dude. Do voiceovers, man. <laughs> no, I can't remember you. Um, I just slammed Frank Kelly I know, and myself. At the same Whatever. time. <laughs> anyway, I was done with my story. Please continue. All right. Oh, yeah. I'm uh, paralyzed with fear and Van Nuys. Yes, please. <laughs> Is that um, where we were? That's where were we were. Were you paralyzed there, too? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Basically, the reason I'm saying that is I spent like a year or so in LA not doing anything. Sure. Sure. Um, and like Between f- projects, they call that. Right, but just like racked yeah. with guilt, and it was like a nice, like vicious cycle where I like yeah, yeah. was depressed about not doing anything, which made me not do anything, which made me depressed. It was yeah. like, oh, cool, I'm never gonna get out of this. And finally, I just like, ah, um, signed up for um, a sketch writing class at UCB, and that was like really like me digging my way out of that hole. And who taught that class? It's not who you think. It was uh, Neil Campbell. <laughs> he that's still interesting. Yeah. It was really great. It was really Again, cool. it was a good guy. Yeah, and then um, 
when I got into 201, the advanced sketch writing class, my teacher was Sean Conroy. And now you know the rest of the story. <laughs> and that brings you up to date. Now. You see, I know Sean from UCB Open Mic. Oh, awesome. Sean Conroy is the person that gave me the best compliment of anyone that has ever given me a compliment at an open mic. Sean Conroy. Sean Conroy. <laughs> <clears throat> uh, <laughs> I, I told a joke that got, I would say, 80% of the crowd making some sort of noise. And Conroy said to me, you just got the equivalent of a standing ovation. <laughs> and I'm like, That's awesome. yes, I did. <laughs> and of course, Sean Conroy uh, is another one of the hosts of Longshot Podcast. Mm-hmm. So this is where... This that, is where we met. Yes. yes. This was the beginning. This is Changed the, my life. Yeah. <laughs> so you... Um, and, and this is what I want to ask because, um, of course, besides covering how people end up in L.A. Uh-huh. and how they manage to survive and stay creative, right. one of the things that we're really interested in is anybody who's come up through Groundlings or UCB or IOS... Um, what, what's your assessment of that program? And I assume that you've had some experiences. I know, for example, that you are, um, you recently auditioned for iOS sketch group. I was cast as, uh, as a writer performer. Very awesome. Sweet. Yeah, thanks. So, so you've had experience with some of these different programs. Yeah. How, do, how do they, how would you compare and contrast them? Well, I, I, a lot of it is going to be st- speculation. Sure. Cause I'm going to be totally honest. I've gone through the writing program at UCB and I've gone through two um, improv classes at UCB. Okay. I have not gone through the whole program. I actually avoided improv for a really long time. Me too. It scared me. <laughs> so I'm like doing everything in my career sort of ass backwards. But um, whatever. No right path. But um, I haven't taken classes anywhere else. I've done a ton of shows at Iowa West. Um, but I haven't taken classes anywhere else. But the what I've heard, mm-hmm. and this is like fourth hand at this juncture. <laughs> so I don't know how hopeful this is, but that um, when it comes to improv, at least UCB is all about game. Mm-hmm. Iowa West is all about relationship mm-hmm. and groundlings is all about like character. Yep. And I, and like people get snotty about like which one's the best. And I think they're actually all really helpful and important. Mm-hmm. I think the best performers actually have all three going for them. Oh yeah. yeah. No, I'm, I'm totally on that bored with that theory i think though game is the best baseline training right if you don't have game yeah. and you're just a stupid <clears throat> character that's not interesting thing. that's the thing and i don't i think relationship is a weak t way of saying game in a lot of ways right. um because game is often about the relationships and establishing relationships is an important part of game is this too inside baseball do people know no, what no, we're talking I don't about <laughs> This is what they tune in for. The super super secret about this podcast is I don't care about anybody listening to it. That's actually the best way to create anything. Not to worry about the output. Um, If if they don't like it, they can can not listen. So stop listening. Yikes. (laughs) I think it's reverse psychology. Keep listening. (laughs) I want to take 201. I haven't taken 201. It, I, that's where I met Sean and it was interesting um, I don't know how well you guys know Sean and he is a good friend of mine and he's been like like an unbelievable support to me and like believes in me in ways that I don't understand but <laughs> I'll take it but um, as a teacher he's a little gruff I'm not gonna lie to you he's kind of a gruff <laughs> dude in general he's a little gruff um, and but, but he's a good guy yeah yeah he's yeah good, I really I, I'm, I would say we're passing acquaintances Right. I have I have no problem 
uh, you know, talking to him about improv and stuff at, at, at a bar after a show or just hanging out. I've driven him home a couple times for right. shows and stuff like that. But, you know, we're not like huge buddies. He will know when you say, hey, I talked to Gene George. He will probably say, oh, nice. oh how's he doing? We've peed in some alleys together. We've peed in some alleys together. <laughs> I wanted you to say, like, we're passing acquaintances. I drove him home a couple times. We lived together for a <laughs> Right, right, right. <laughs> we yeah. bought a house together. I, I had <laughs> <easy>. baby. <laughs> we're passing acquaintances. See, see, we've established our relationship. Yeah. Um, <laughs> But yeah, uh, no, I, I know him, and, and like I said, he did he did deliver the best thing that anyone's ever said in an open mic. That's awesome. You got to hold on to those. I totally those good ends. Oh, because <laughs> open mics in LA are soul crushing. Absolutely, they're the worst things in the world, except the one Amber hosts. Yep. <laughs> Amber, tell us about that open mic. Um, yeah, I just started it. We had our first well, one. Well, see, on that's why. Then they're now it's new. <laughs> it was great too I don't know if it was just because it was the first time or it was like my friends supporting me it's I'm getting ahead of myself it's at the Palace Chinese Restaurant in Los Files Monday nights um, it's going to be like sign up starts at 7.30 there's a lotto at 8 okay. so if you guys want to come out um, for those of you in the LA area and it's it's a nice it's like they have real shows there so it feels like real venue right. like sometimes it's like these big 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 bars and open mics are already so soul crushing, and when you can't even hear if people are laughing, it makes it that much worse. They're not laughing. That's the thing: is no one's laughing at these open mics. They're <laughs> writing in their notebooks, and right. they are trying to figure out if they have enough money to buy a beer. <laughs> that is what happens at open mics. But that's what I'm saying, because 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 uh, you know Emily Mills's Triclops open mic was awesome. Just, she doesn't. She doesn't run it. I'm anymore. saying, but despite itself, well, that's last time I was. <laughs> it's there. just Matt Champagne. Is it Matt? Oh, Matt's running. It, it's a triclops of one person. <laughs> it's a, a clop. This is the um, one at Silver Lake Lounge. Yeah. Uh huh. Friday nights. Don't do what I did and wander in on the wrong night because it's a drag show, Mexican drag show. <laughs> well, actually, maybe do wander in the wrong night <laughs> oh, if you're into Mexican drag yeah. shows, which is a thing. Yeah. Did Matt know that? Grew up in Los Angeles, amongst. Steeped in Latino culture? Not really. <laughs> Kinda. I was steeped in the I'm steeped in the in the highbrow Latino culture of Mexico City, where my mom spent a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, not in all the pochos that live in. We're up. saving that for the uh, uh, the spinoff, the uh, the adventures of Gene's mom. Yes. <laughs> uh, which I, I've been pushing insult. for for two years. No, I want this to happen. No, my mom. My mom. My mom has lived. A really fascinating life. That's awesome. All things considered, and um, <clears throat> she does need to talk about it. She really does need to talk about it. Write it down. She needs to do something other than sitting around in the backyard smoking horrible. <laughs> oh my god, she's smoking grape flavored cigars now. Ugh. Yes. Oh no, you don't know the half of it. <laughs> Ugh is like you scratch the surface of how awful it well, is. Well, I'm not a huge fan of grape flavor. I like grapes, yes. but grape flavor right. always... You like the flavor of grapes in its flavor. In its natural corpse-like. Yes. you right. <laughs> um, it's grape. It looks so natural. <laughs> it does. But the flavor of grapes, I'm not a fan of that. Oh, yeah. Grape and flavor. it smells like the worst of cheap... I smoke cigars, and flavored cigars suck in general. Great, so it's a cheap cigar. It smells like a cheap cigar, and it smells like someone's burning like grape Kool Aid on top of it. Oh, blah. Anyway, but my mom's awesome, and she really does. But you said she had some travel, so maybe yeah. the more cultured you are, the more you like grape flavored. Right, it's an acquired. No, it's, it's like that plate of food yeah. in front of Rip Torn right. and um, defending your life. Right, like, you wouldn't like it. 
Yeah. That was a great rip torn too. Yeah, it was. That was. I love, but see, I can do a good rip torn. So I can do I can do a consistently better rip torn than I can do my uh, uh, Rodney Dangerfield. I can do an entire show with rip torn. <laughs> Come on, Brody, get it together. Would you like to know something about some audience feedback, really quick? Sure. Yeah. They think that you unintentionally do a pretty good Seth Rogen. Oh. No, I know that. My wife has said that. I could see that. Oh no no. Here I'm I not. Guess. I'm yeah. not. No no. This is not the first time I've heard this from people who are intimate with me. Mm-hmm. Hey everybody. <laughs> no, I just got a little just... extra Canadian in my voice. <laughs> good to be here, Brody. I, feel, I can feel my hair curling. He does a lot of voiceover work. I would tap that. <laughs> tap, that <laughs> tap that Seth Rogen voice mm. over mm. sound like ass. You know, we both were up for a... Uh, for, uh, see, now I'm hearing it in my voice, <laughs> and I can't talk. <laughs> uh, no, that's absolutely true. Yeah. I just found out that he plays himself in that 50-50 movie. I didn't know that. Really? I oh. assumed it was a character. Oh really? He's playing Seth Rogen. Yeah. Is what's his face playing from third? Uh, from no, 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 Rock playing? no, he's playing, he's playing the his friend. Yeah. Oh, I see. The writer of it. So he knows Seth Rogen. Yeah. Or or flute flute Seth Rogen. Right. It's a very Curb Your Enthusiasm kind of thing. Mm. <laughs> That's the best part of that show. <laughs> Is it the opening song? Mm-hmm. I think it's also the closing theme. That and the fact that his office is on uh, Green Street at. Uh, uh, Fair Oaks, I think, uh, down by where I work. Ah. So when I see it, I go, I know where that is. <laughs> <laughs> it's always very exciting. I When I went to New York, I went to the coffee shop in Seinfeld. <laughs> on yeah, the outside, huh? yeah, sure. on, on the inside, it's totally different. But right. the one that what? they remodeled, I know. They didn't remodel it? Because <laughs> um, it... that, be, that would be the total tourist thing to do. Yeah. That would be the Disney way to do it. But it was... Exciting still. Yeah. I love that show. <laughs> I, I still I'm excited to go. I have to honestly say, every Greasy Spoon coffee shop I've ever been to in New York, I was totally excited to be there. Yeah. Because usually I go to those places like we've flown into New York and it's ass o'clock in the morning and I really need to eat something. Yeah. So I'm terribly excited. <laughs> I still want to visit the Reservoir Dog slash Pulp Fiction Diner. Where's that one at? I don't know. I think it's in the Valley. It's almost 100% in the Valley or the South Bay. But isn't there the one on Wilshire or is that not the Mel's, one? No, not Mel's. No, it has all those lights. It's like oh, it's like right by all the, the um, like museum oh. district. Johnny's? Oh, yeah. Isn't that They've something? used that in a bunch of I movies. can tell you guys that we're a hop, skip, and a jump from where Bruce Willis runs down, um, or I should say Butch runs down Marcel Wallace in front of the Foster Freeze. Oh. That's, and Kathy Griffin... You okay? You okay? Yeah, that's, we could walk. Best right thing now. she's ever done. <laughs> although, although I, I was, I was, I was surprised to find out she's like four million years old. Kathy Griffin. She's she's had a storied career. How nice how old is she? She's, she's not. Like, she's she's in her fifties. Yeah, I would. That, that's that. but that's like I thought she was like my age. Oh yeah, maybe five years. But ago. she's been like a working comic on TV for a long, a long yeah. time. Yeah, she was on Seinfeld. Yeah, no. Um, she actually has a story. I used to watch a lot of those um, 
like true Hollywood story. Yeah, yeah. Sure. Who, who hasn't? Because it's like if I like absorb this information hard enough, it'll happen to me. Or you're, something. Well, but you're also yeah. But do you really want half of that shit to happen to you? Or you want like a quarter of that shit no, to happen to you? But you know, it's like an education, even though it's sure. probably well. You were voted most likely to be seen right, in Hollywood, right. so you gotta know. Right, I got to. Yeah. I got to. <laughs> but uh, she has this story. It always gives me the goosebumps, and it's. It's dumb, but she was, um, it was before she started doing comedy, I think, and she went to just a show at the Groundlings, Mm -hmm. and she didn't know that you weren't supposed to do this, she just went backstage and went up to um, the best performer in the show and was like, that was so good, how do I do this? And the guy was super gracious and like explained the whole process. Phil Hartman. Wow. Nice. Goosebumps. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. That's spooky. <laughs> no, just like he's a good guy. No, I know. Was. Rest in peace. <laughs> I sound like I'm so obsessed <laughs> with him on this podcast. It's all right. It's no, okay. he's one of your comedy heroes. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And we all have. Mine are alive, so I can actually shake their hands without. Who are you? Way to rub it in. I know. Yikes. <laughs> I'm just saying, pick pick better heroes. <laughs> <laughs> Who are your heroes that are alive? Yeah, do we really? I mean, maybe um, like early on in the podcast, we had an introductory episode, and maybe we would have covered that. Mm, but probably, uh, uh, Paul Tompkins is probably yeah. Who the three of us all saw last night? Yes, this is dropping on show. the Monday after Tompkins' uh, taping of his Comedy Central special. Yeah, laboring, uh, laboring so under good. delusions, uh, all about uh, his work career. How amazing was the artwork in the background? He's you know so what cool. though the 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 Citizen Kane. Tompkins, one I Tompkins, that the those he's always got right. that shit squared away. <laughs> I'll just that's the way to describe it. It's your hero. He's my hero. Yeah. Well, and, and he's I mean partially because he's a really nice guy, and also he was the uh, his website, his old actually his MySpace page was the final straw for me actually getting back into doing comedy. Oh wow! Um, how how did it do that? Just I, well, I'd 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 been around short form improv, and I know I've told this story before. I've been around short form improv when I was younger, like when I was nineteen, twenty, and um, it sucked so bad it made me hate comedy. Right. Um, and then I got a job doing archaeology, and and what? <laughs> I've been over this before. Um, and and, and I, I, like I, it's, you made it to like McDonald's though. <laughs> then I became it ended up being like, Jones. It kind of ended up being. It kind of ended up being like. Working it, I I had a better time working as a fry cook at Carl's Jr. on at, on some occasions. Interesting. So, uh, but but I I'd seen a lot of stand up because uh, I, I was around during the stand up boom. Um, at least I think we're in another one. I think we are. Oh yeah. Yeah. There's definitely a comedy boom. But but um, the when I saw the fact that stand up comedy was performance and not um, off the cuff. So it's like kind of like got this double whammy. I thought improv sucked because short their short form improv really did suck, and then I saw stand up wasn't off the cuff witticism, but it was an actual performance art. Mm-hmm. That those two things kind of combined and kind of crushed my like I've loved comedy ever since I could remember. Right. And but I didn't do comedy, and you know I was thinking I started going to UCB and getting into comedy again and, and watching shows and listening to podcasts and. Um, the early podcasts like uh, Never Not Funny and things like that. And uh, 
I was looking at Tompkins' page, and and he had the little FAQ, like, don't bother to ask me questions because here's a bunch of questions that are going to answer it. And how do I get into comedy, which everybody gets asked, and the answer is you just do it. And I'm like, oh, you know what? You do just do it. And so I went out and did some open mics. I did, actually, this is a true story. Uh, He was at UCB with Sarah Silverman and uh, a buddy of mine, uh, uh, Meredith Off and MJO, um, who's been on our show before. Uh, we did our open mic together at um, Dan Bi- our Dan Bilek's old room at um, uh, out of Tabit, and um, did my first open mic. Went and saw a show at UCB afterwards, and went backstage to talk to somebody I knew. And Tompkins was there, and I was totally like, "Dude, I just did an open mic, and it's because of this, you know, advice Aww. on the website." And he was very gracious, and uh, you know, seen him around, seen a show a bunch of times. Big, big fan, big supporter. That's awesome. Yeah. And yeah, so. he's the nicest guy in the world. He's the nicest guy in the world. Uh, when I met him, because he's done our podcast like a few times yeah. now. The first time I met him, I was um, 100% beside myself and was floored by how he talked to me like I was a person. Yes. Like, he didn't have to. Like, he could have been like mildly polite and I would have been like, he's so yeah. nice. Right. But he was like, he's like, I said something off the cuff about my writing partner and he's like, oh, who's that? I'm like, don't know you right, don't right, know right. like you I'm nobody what are you talking about so nice <laughs> yeah he's an awesome dude um uh super beats. funny and super good at improv comedy super great at improv that, that's the thing is is last night uh, as, as we were talking about he did a, a taping for his comedy central special and uh by the way and if you if you listen to a podcast if you're on a special thing.com like Anybody you might know was probably yes, there. Yes, was there yeah. in the Los Angeles area I, or I in Byron's. I checked uh, Paul Tompkins' Twitter ads this morning just because I was curious, and it's yeah. like a billion. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> Mine was the best, though. <laughs> I think. Um, the, uh, I was going to say. Yeah. <laughs> I wasn't fishing. Um, but uh, uh, I don't know where I was going with that. Oh, oh yeah, I know. Uh, so... And and his the the hour or so of of actual show he did really good and really honed and awesome, but I have to say, kills me. And the Largo show, if you're in town, he does a monthly show and it is the best twenty five bucks you're ever gonna spend. It and he it's most of the comedy that he does. He does a sketch that's prepared, but most of the stuff he does is just him talking into a microphone, and. Whatever, whatever comes, comes out, out of his mouth. But it's always amazing. I don't know and how it's he does that. fantastic. It's the best thing ever. It really is the best thing ever. And I was laughing at, I was like laughing at the funny parts of, of sure. the regular show. But as soon as he did his encore and was just doing his normal BS, I was fucking dying. I was like paralyzed. Yeah. <laughs> Brody will tell you, I was like. Yeah. That was good. <laughs> so. And then you said Dan Beats is one of your heroes, Tom Jones. Yeah. And then Amber, you have uh, obviously Phil Hartman. Oh um, gosh, I was a huge. I was obsessed with Mitch Hedberg. I guess I like dead people. Um, uh-huh. I was obsessed with Mitch Hedberg in high school. I got everyone at my school like into him. It's before anyone knew who he was. Yeah. Or or <laughs> who didn't watch Comedy Central? I guess. Right, right, It's right. not like I was on the underground. <laughs> 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 so stupid. <laughs> But, um, <laughs> you, you had basic cable, so right. you had in. <laughs> um, and, oh God, there's so many people. I love Paul Tompkins. I love um, Tina Fey, obviously, mm-hmm. for like obvious reasons. You just like her because she's a girl. Yeah, and she's <laughs> hilarious. 
Um, yeah, oh God, that's a tough one. I feel like I could list a million sure, people. Sure, absolutely, absolutely. How about you? Uh, well, not being a com- stand-up comedian, right. um, my heroes are far different. That's fine. <laughs> you know, I mean, <laughs> as... Wow, this is, this is really interesting to me as a listener of this show. I mean, me being a listener of this show, because we haven't heard about Brody's interest in comedy and writing and things like that. I don't know if other people feel this way. I might just be interested. I'm sorry. Are you talking about yourself? (laughs) What? No, go. I'm interested. Uh, In theory. Okay. I'll make it brief. um, (laughs) He's playing Sudoku. Bob Odenkirk, probably. Oh, yeah. Oh, you know what? Yes, absolutely. Uh, Because I got into him as him being a writer even more than I ever did as a performer. When I interviewed him for Moss Proposal magazine years ago. Name dropper. (laughs) <laughs> we, we talked a lot. <laughs> you just I've, I've nothing for like 20 minutes. I just ne- yeah, I haven't done anything with you. By either. the way, if you are going Ron Babcock spotting in LA, he has a big beard now. And I didn't... We, it wasn't that big though. When I, when I, when I was got close staring to at him for like... Your beard's large. The whole... Thank you. Are people doing that? Is that like the new planking? <laughs> yes. Bob, Babcock spotting. You might have seen it online. Um, Babcocking. Yes. <laughs> That's grody sounding. <laughs> Stared at him like for the whole night and finally had to go up and be like, I think Gene was one finally said hi. I was like, I didn't say hi, hi actually. He was sitting right across the hall, f- the like yeah. walkway from me. Yeah. And I was, no, I didn't actually say hi. I just went around that back. I did actually the same thing to Amber. I was like, I think that's Amber behind me. And it was. And so we finally got to meet. Well, it's funny. It's funny. It's funny. Just as you were firmly convinced it was Ron, I was convinced it was not. And to Megan, so... who Megan's known also Ron for years now, like, yeah, she she didn't think it was him at all. My wife, Megan. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, uh, yeah. No, I didn't say hi. I actually just, I just went, he was standing waiting to leave. And I was like, Ron Babcock, Ron Babcock, Ron Babcock, Ron Babcock. <laughs> and he finally was like. <laughs> and I can tell he didn't recognize me because I had the, uh, the I have the button chops. chops going. The lemmy. The lemmy. Eh, kind of a lemmy. It's a modified lemmy. Yeah. Does he have the full on chops? He's a little, I think he maybe has a little thing going. Anyway, whatever. <laughs> Just drop Ron Babcock's name. So drop more names. I know some people. <laughs> uh, I mean, I was into Bob. Um... But see, this isn't the name droppy part. Saying who your heroes no, are. No, I know, I know. Me saying Sean Conroy gave me a really big, big compliment <laughs> that I took to heart. Yeah, that's name, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Amy Sedaris too. Oh, so um, good. I'm just. I think that's. Her, yeah, she's definitely. I'm just gonna be mind. contrarian and say boo. <laughs> no, she's really good for character work. Yeah, yeah. I mean, her yeah, the and just like silliness. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Whimsy. Mm. But I mean, my personal work. I mean, when I perform music, you know, I might kind of ramble between songs, and much like I ramble on this podcast. And, and say things that are funny-ish. But, you know, yeah, it's, I think it's a different... <laughs> Gene having seen me live is... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Yeah. But yeah, <laughs> I think... I, we'll take that. I think it's different, and, and I'm sure you know, I mean, it's there. It's a specific set of skills, like when you were doing theater as opposed to probably when you were doing right. stand-up or, you know, improv. But um, I think they help them inform each other. Oh, yeah. totally. Yeah. Yeah. Well, like, once I got into UCB... Um, improv mm-hmm. and found out that improv doesn't have to suck um, even in short form games um, you know that made me a much better comedian and writer mm-hmm. and when I took sketch I think I took the maybe I took the first two levels of improv and then I took level one sketch I felt a lot 
more comfortable writing. Well, yeah, it was interesting. Um, I took sketch before right. I took improv, and I actually really liked it because I was like, I understand the principle of game, and I felt like it took the entire class for other people to even... Not like, ooh, that was yeah. so good, but like but to even like wrap their minds right. around You'd it. But I had been writing in game. Yeah, so up, like yeah. I understand what it is. Yeah. Either way, but I think but I think again, we come back to I think game the nutshell for those I guess we should probably bring those people in who are, are worried about inside baseball stuff. Uh Game oh. game of the scene. Game of the scene is basically finding. Got to you. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm just I'm trying to be professional, even though I, I I'm not mean, and I I do care what you think, but I don't care if you're saying mean things. I, I honestly don't give a shit. But uh, if you're saying constructive criticism, I I will listen to that. Gene, what is game? Game, game, <laughs> of the, game of the scene is essentially, at an internet shelf, finding what's funny about the scene so that you can do something with it, heighten it, or yeah. expand on it, or whatever. Sure. So that's really it's the It's like core. the unusual thing. Yeah, finding out we are either funny or unusual. And yeah. t- typically, because we're doing improv comedy, we want something funny, but game can work for any format of well, and And in theory... Not to be a contrarian, but if you just find the unusual thing and keep heightening it, yes. it'll get funny. You don't have to worry about it. Right, being right, right. Funny. You shouldn't worry about being yeah. funny. Yeah, you should find what's unusual about the scene. So, you know, if, 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 if the scene starts out, I don't know, you know, on a train and it turns out that the engineer is, you know, the mother of the brakeman, <laughs> that might be weird and unusual right. and you might want to, you know. Bring on the whole family. Right, exactly. <laughs> exactly. So. That's game of the scene, everyone. So save your UCB money. <laughs> well, and about that, <laughs> no, don't, don't <laughs> about that, um, like the different skills helping each other. Yeah. When I first started, I actually did stand up for the first time about four years ago, but took a break <laughs> with extenuating circumstances. But um, I've been doing it seriously about two years now, where I do it like basically every night and uh, um. What I found is I'm comfortable on stage because I've been on stage my whole life with yeah. dance and performance. So it's like, I feel like there's some people you see them start and it's like, oh man, they're an amazing writer, like, but they just need to get comfortable up there. I like from the get-go was comfortable. It's like, all right, let's write something. <laughs> <laughs> you dummy. Like just stand yeah. there. Isn't working out. <laughs> and you got a chance actually to uh, write and, and produce some sketches with... Um, a couple groups. Yeah. Little Kevin Buttersmith. Yes, that was my first first group. We all met in Sketch 101 in Neil's okay. class. Very cool. Yeah. And you have some stuff up on um, the UCB comedy site. Yes. And that's old stuff. It's yeah. like one of those, like, it's kind of a double-edged sword where it's like, oh, yeah, I did that. But it's like, oof, is it even good? It's been so long. and it's... <laughs> Nothing's good. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> What's uh, the point? It's all work. Yeah. And Dumb Babies was the other group? Dumb Babies was, uh, it was me and my ex-boyfriend now. Um, But it was great because that, Little Kevin Buttersmith, their emphasis was more video sketch. Mm -hmm. And I was the one person who was like, what about live? Like, I've done live performance my whole life. I think that's a big reason why I was drawn to Saturday Night Live. Like, it's happening now. There's no, like, um, getting around that. Yeah. And so I've always been drawn to live and I don't 100% even feel comfortable on film. I know I'm going to have to get over that if I ever want to make money doing anything. <laughs> what are you saying? There's no money in the live sketch performance Actually, world. And, and I, that's why And I, I was referring to this earlier, and I'm, I'm going to put it up on um, 
every week when we have a guest, shakytownradio.com, we'll show you, you know, we'll link to them, uh, any videos, anything interesting they might have. Uh, I really love the, uh, I'm I'm mangling the title, but it was something along the lines of, uh, it was a nice dress. Yeah. You know. uh, Claire Coffey actually wrote that. Yeah. And she's, um. She's, I know Claire. Yeah. I had her in yeah. 101, I think. Yeah, and but, she's on Franklin and Bash now. Like she's doing well. But you're you're acting in that. Like, yes, this, this I am. role. Like you you <laughs> took on this role. I was I was very impressed by. <laughs> oh really? Like you were a different person because I know you as uh, as you know a, a fan of the Longshot podcast. Um, you know, very cordial and uh, <laughs> cordial. Jo- jo- jovial. <laughs> I think even ebullient. <laughs> yes. I'm going for cordial. That's what I want people to know. Oh, that cordial note. girl? Right. You're hitting the cordial note. You know, I'm going for slightly cold and reserved. <laughs> the, the, the famous Amber Kenny laugh. The, right. The, I'm giggly. You know, the, the gal from the, the planned community. This was like... Wait, planned community? <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. This character in this is more like out of a Brett Easton Ellis novel. Right, right, right. So. Yeah. Thank you. I, um... That was a rough one to watch. Like I was like, I can't tell if I'm doing well or not. You like, did, you did good. <laughs> thank you. And I have a weird haircut. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, so little Kevin Buttersmith, their emphasis was more um, sketch, and we we broke up. More, it was just like everyone just started doing their own thing. Sure, there was sure. no like mm-hmm. falling out. Um, and again, I wanted to do live. That's what I. Coming back to you, Dumb Babies, the first live sketch show I did was with Dumb Babies at IO West. Uh, he basically signed us up for it without, like, asking me. And I was shaking in my boots. <laughs> I hadn't, like, performed like that in forever. And um, that's we were talking earlier before the show about, like, everything's for a purpose. Like, yeah. that relationship didn't work out. And that professional relationship didn't work out. But it got me in the door. And IO West people started knowing me and it was easier for me to book shows with my other sketch groups and um I slowly but surely got more confident doing it and now I'm a stop no nope. yes. <laughs> you're gonna go places kid say you um and and I want to ask about um this storytelling show that you just did, right? It had to be like oh, your yeah. first storytelling show? I actually wasn't booked on it. It was a crazy, um, they have a, a raffle there, just put your name in. Right, and, right. And I wasn't even going to do it. My friend Drew Kashgarian, um, I don't know if you guys know her, she's really funny. She's on, she's big on but, Twitter, which is name. such a dumb thing to say, but it's true. She's mostly pregnant. Anyway, that's her Twitter handle. That's not what she is. <laughs> I'm assuming that she's actually mostly pregnant. Yeah. But uh, she was like, I'll put my name in if you put your name in. And I know she wanted to put her name in. I know she, I think, even had like a prepared story. I was like, oh, okay. And then it was like, <laughs> my name was called. I was like, girl. Um, but it was it was really fun. I, I would totally do it again. Yeah. Um, it, it's a nice... Uh, like, I got laughs, but it mm-hmm. wasn't, there was no pressure to get a laugh every yeah. 30 mm-hmm. seconds. Like, they just are, are, like, listening. I would definitely do Whoa, whoa, whoa. Are you saying that that's the premise of stand-up comedy is to try and get people to laugh? <laughs> I've been doing it wrong. <laughs> <laughs> but, yeah, it was it was fun. I would definitely do it again. Yeah, it's a fun show. I saw Julie Cohen, our mutual oh, friend, awesome. do that show. I think that was, was that just the last one that happened? I, it, it was a couple months back. Oh, okay. Maria Banford showed oh, up yeah. and did her first ever storytelling I campaign. was there. Oh, I must have awesome. missed Julie's or I just am forgetting it. I've, I've been to a lot of those Two-Headed Beast shows. They're really fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
they're, they're, they take place right next door to 826 LA, and yeah. um, I just like that neighborhood. The, the Maria Bamford story, I actually have a story about her story, which oh, I think awesome. is adorable. <laughs> um, if She told a story about her first car, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, Dave Ross, who runs that show, he's roommates with my boyfriend, so I get... Name dropping. <laughs> so sad. Uh, but he was saying that Maria was freaking out about doing the storytelling show. So she was she had lunch with Jackie Cation and they're like, Well look, Jackie was like, let's just do an exercise, like like write down about your first car. Like it was just supposed to be the first right, 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 exercise. Sure. And she's like, Okay, I got my story. And Jackie was like, No, oh, we're Okay. okay. Yeah. <laughs> I think it's yeah, so I can picture cute. her. I can picture her. Yeah. <laughs> Fine. Just run with it. I just love that it was just supposed to be like opening up channels. I was like, all right, I guess I have to talk about my first car. Christ. <laughs> but it was a great story. Yeah. Was it? Yes. You can find us on the internet at shakytownradio.com. You can Twitter us at, at shakytownradio. You can like us on Facebook at our Facebook page, facebook.com slash shakytownradio. Send us an email at shakytownradio at gmail.com or call us on the Shakytown Radio hotline at 626-66-SHAKE. That's 667-4253. That's the same number. Hi, this is Bob Schreiner, and you are listening to the Shakytown Radio Hour. Tell us about this new Warm and Fuzzy show. It's, it's, it's really fun. It's... It was monthly. It's probably going to be more like quarterly now mm-hmm. because producing a show is hard. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but it's it's my comedy show at the Improv Lab and uh, sort of the... You want to do it monthly? No. Would you prefer to do it monthly? No. <laughs> I mean, if you had time. No. <laughs> no, I'm just curious. I, here's the thing. I know Cause that... Because we we've talked about doing a Shaky Town branded show and, and that's one of the things that I wanted to pick people's brains about. Not necessarily. Well, and I don't know. It's interesting because um, I think producing a show, just like we were talking about before with like music and stand up and sketch and acting, like producing a show is a totally different skill set. Right. And um, I don't necessarily care about being an amazing producer. I want to be a great <laughs> performer. Right, right. And it's a, it's a great place to have another outlet to perform. Um, and it gives you opportunities to p- perform other places, but it. It's not my passion. Yeah. Um, but Warm and Fuzzy, the, it's about, um, it's a stand-up show, but I only book people that have made me genuinely belly laugh at some point without being mean or dark. At least at some point. Right. Like one joke. <laughs> or, um, and so it's just about rape, like... Rape, rape, rape. Kittens, rape, rape, rape. Suicide oh, depression. Oh, sweet. Yeah. But uh, it's been really, really fun. And it... What is nice about producing a show is it's like, oh, like, it's a show I would want to see. I'm, like, the biggest fan there. I will say, though, I don't know about you guys, but I get nervous when I'm doing a show. And you know that, like, nervousness, like, right before you're sitting right after your set? I get that all day long (laughs) until the show's over. And it's not that fun for me. Yeah, I mean, I get that when I play shows. When I used to promote shows, uh, some comedy, more music back in the day. Yeah, it's it can be kind of a headache, and yeah. it's sometimes it's tough to get a crowd, all that stuff. And for me, it was hard to enjoy the show that I was exactly. Putting on. Well, and I felt more bad of. Um, I wanted the audience to have a good time, obviously, mm-hmm. but I wanted the comics on the show to have a good time. Yeah. I wanted them to leave saying like that was a fun show to do, and I think I accomplished that. Um, I don't know. I don't think they were BSing me, yeah. but so like that's 
like some of my favorite comics I booked my friends and not my friends and they had a good time success yeah yeah totally. but that said i'm like i don't necessarily want to do this all the right, time right. <laughs> now see i find that that seems that seems challenging to me i think because i don't again as we've established i am pretty sans froid as far as stuff like that goes i i having you know done things like cooking and things where you have to have your shit together archaeology archaeology <laughs> No, nobody gives a shit about what happens in archaeology. And, you know, we book and produce this show, yeah, but it's not in front of an audience. Right. So right. It's not as... And I like to think weird. And I have nothing to do with the Long Shot Podcast. I show up, I giggle, I'm out. Like, I do nothing. Boom. Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty lazy. That's like what I do. Gene George is the Amber Cannon of Shaky Town. I don't even uh, listen to this show. We had... This is this is super inside, but there was, like, a production meeting recently I learned out. Learned that uh, Eddie and I, Eddie Pepitone and I, were the only two people not invited. Because they're, <laughs> they're not going to contribute anyway. But Eddie's been working a lot, too. But also, like, I know, it's, Eddie. it's easier to get things. <laughs> <laughs> Eddie Pepitone said one of the funniest things. Everyone I know has said the most something to Yeah, <laughs> Eddie, Eddie, Eddie Pepitone said one of the funniest things I've ever heard. And it was at uh, whatever show they were doing out in Buttfuck. The, out the, uh, I, don't know, I don't know, like three of people from... Eight, Lizelle was there, Paul uh, Bartunek and me, and a couple other folks. Uh, but there's... It was, it's by the freeway, and there's the over. It's my signature on ASC. It's in my signature, at least it used to be. The uh, there's only two things that happen under underpasses, and that's blowjobs and knifings. Right. And kills to this day. Every time I see him, I think of that. <laughs> I think he'd be proud. <laughs> I like Eddie. He's a good guy. Yeah, and Longshot Podcast has been going on for a while now. Just started your fourth season. Yeah, we're um, Jesus we're, Christ! Has it that been that long? Yeah, we're, well, we pick seasons arbitrarily, oh, but um, <laughs> I'm like, what? All right, we're almost at two years yeah. doing the podcast. How many eps? We're in our late fifties. Mm. Yeah, it's a good place to be. We we actually <laughs> both our shows came on kind of at the same time. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. cute. Cute. We can have our anniversary cruise. I think together. I think I was I think I was switched at birth. Are you supposed to be me? No, I think I'm supposed. To be, no, I think it was supposed to be Brody and Pepitone. Well, that would have been. I don't know. That would have been. That could have been a really good podcast. Or could, a horrifying podcast. It could still happen. We could do. Yeah, we could do a co-host exchange. Well, we are, my, my, my my lovely lady wife is pregnant with. She's great with child again. So. Oh, congrats! We were, we were talking about. Thank you. We were talking about uh, naming the kid Eddie Pepitone. <laughs> I would pull something like that, <laughs> but I want to remain married to my wife. Um, no, we we're talking about trying to figure out how to handle the potential hiatus. Of, of me because I will be taking care of a child. Yeah, maybe. whether we bring in some pinch hitters. Yeah. Well, yeah, that's what um, the Sound of Young America did. I don't know mm. if you guys listened to that when Jesse mm. Thorne. Who? <laughs> Brody threatened to fight Jesse Thorne at one point. What? For charity. Oh, okay. And, I was like, you see, and, like, and to salve his bloodlust. <laughs> <laughs> I think, I still think, right. I just had backed up on it because now that the man's a father, I feel like we can't do it now. I don't think so. I think I think his child deserves the either. The, I just know the that triumph of watching. What are we him. talking like fists? Yeah, fisticuffs. No boxing. <laughs> yeah, big right. old the boxing marquis, gloves. The mark. The mark. Oversized boxing. Right. Trunks. Foxy boxing. Yeah. Let's do it. Yeah. <laughs> but but yeah, I, I I just want to get one boxing match out of my blood before uh, um, before I have my babies, or actually, my wife has our babies. Right. 
Are you? Right, just are you? Eat your babies. I'm saying babies totally in that Jackie Cation cadence. Your babies. <laughs> are you gonna have a baby soon too? Not soon. Oh. But Jean's wife is. I know. February. Yes. And yes, Jesse Thorne had uh, subs on there. Yeah. And, and, and it worked out nicely. Yeah. I didn't, but I guess it's different because it's kind of like a single host thing. Right, 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 right. 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 What about Jordan and Jesse Go? Do they just go on hiatus? I don't know. Nobody, nobody listens to that anymore. <laughs> I, why, am I, why am I signing them? They're, they do good work. If you like that sort of thing. Oh my God. Backhanded compliment. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, I have no animosity towards either of them. Clearly. <laughs> Brody. No, I'm leaving it solely on his doorstep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. While um, I skate out. Hey, I can name drop Jesse Thorne. Yeah. You just did. No, no, I'll name, no. I, <laughs> no, I, I, I'll put it in context how I. What, what was he has the been mo- a guest on the Long Shot podcast. Yes, he has. Um, what was the most blank he no, said no, to no. you? Uh, we, actually, I, I advised him on aging, uh, dry aging meat. I thought you were going to say you consult on um, aging. <laughs> yes, I am an expert in gerontology, as we established earlier. You're going to get sued. Mm, no. <laughs> anyway, I am not an expert on gerontology. I have had some experiences which would whiten your hair. <laughs> and then you will need a gerontologist. Yeah. Prematurely. <laughs> you will be in the white hair department. You will be ahead of the game. Right, right, right. Everyone else will be playing catch up. Anyway. What is it like, Amber? Uh-huh. <laughs> Segway. Um, that experience, it sometimes seems contentious with the four of you. Yeah. Not with you particularly, <laughs> but I mean, it's such strong personalities in that room. They're a bunch of dicks, aren't they? <laughs> no, brother. No, they're not. I used to be on a podcast. Um, <laughs> she was nodding her head when I said that. <laughs> no. Um, no, it, it's like, especially... I don't know if anyone on here is a listener, but like the season three finale, that mm-hmm. drama in the room, it was more intense. Like it was really, really, really uncomfortable. It ended with a knife fight, if I remember. <laughs> it was really uncomfortable between uh, Sean and Eddie, and I think they have like Sean and Jamie. Sean, Sean and Jamie. I'm sorry. Jamie Sean, Flam. Sean, Sean, who runs the improv Conroy and uh, Eddie Pepitone, they bicker, but like an old married sure, couple. Sure, They've yeah. known each other so long. Yeah. But um, yeah, there there's real tension between um, Jamie and Sean sometimes, but there's also real like respect. Sure. It like it's it's going to be fine, but there are times it gets a little. And my whole MO is like avoid conflict at any juncture. Yeah, so yeah. I just like shut down like a pasta. Such a girl. Oh my god. Really? Have you met a girl before? <laughs> they like fighting. Look, I'm in comedy. I don't know. Any women. Come on. Man. Girls usually like fighting. They're like, did you see what she said? And I'm like, but you don't know what she meant. <laughs> no, you're such a girl in a bunch of in a room full of dudes. Ah. Uh. Yeah, I think I think that changes the game. It's it's a it's a hardy female that can throw down, especially those guys, especially yeah. those guys. I um I they are crusty. I can't tell if they take it easy on me or if I can hold my own or if it's a little bit of both. Yeah, <laughs> I'm gonna say they're probably taking it easy. <laughs> Just in general, I think it's a, I think it's a deep seated right. hindbrain sort of thing. Right, they don't even know they're doing it. Yeah, it really is compelling in the way that um, when I when Howard Stern was on terrestrial radio. Um, I can't speak to what he does now. On extraterrestrial radio? Yes. I haven't heard it. I think it's mostly about anal probing still. Uh, yeah. <laughs> See? Then. 
was a good one. I saw what you did there. I don't like Howard Stern. I'm going to go on record. I have the same, I have similar similar problems with uh, him as I do with Larry David. Which is? Well, I don't like Larry David because it's uncomfortable, but uh, I just, and the whole MO of his work is pretty much uncomfortable. And I don't like Howard Stern because it, in general, uh, it's prurient and it kind of, uh, that, that sort of instigator antagonist kind of thing mm-hmm. really doesn't trip my wire. I'm not crazy familiar with Howard Stern, and I know that makes me like, did I grow up in a cave? But um, <laughs> I just never. You mean on the, the in the community there? <laughs> they didn't just blast Howard Stern around. On, on I, I, I assumed it was a cult. I assumed it was a cult dedicated. It was to a Howard Stern cult. Yeah, right, yeah right. you're right. You got me. <laughs> That's why your your dad's uh, title is uh, officially is Baba Booey. Right? <laughs> yeah. I pulled that out. I think wasn't uh, uh, what's his face was on that uh, show. Artie Lang was on the show, right? Mm-hmm. Artie Lang was on uh, so, yeah, Stern, yeah. That's about the, the But you were making a beautiful point about Howard Stern that we <laughs> horribly interrupted. I probably did. <laughs> no, just that, I mean, just that, yeah, it's compelling listening. And, and, and the premise of The Long Shot is deceptively... It's, what's the word here? It, you go into it like it's going to be a simple, like, okay, here's our topic. You right. solve a murder every week, isn't that what you guys do? Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's like murder she wrote well and then we talk about the Middle East for like 60 minutes right right right, right. it's you you go in it's gonna be about mm, tennis right it is Ooh, about that's a tennis. good one I'll write it down thank you <laughs> <laughs> and it's it is but the stories right. everybody tells a story and it, it gets more involved in that and it's um we rarely stay on topic yeah De- <laughs> deceptively clever Oh, thank you. I'll I like that. to think of it as cleverly deceptive. <laughs> that sounds I, mean. I think that's, no, it does not. <laughs> I think that's better. I think that sounds way less back. Your shenanigans. Your yeah. shenanigans are pulling wool over the people's eyes. That's it's, totally what it sounds like. It's funny. Someday we'll publish the email chains of like deciding what the next topic is. Right. Because it's. Exactly what you're thinking. Like, I'll just do stream of consciousness, like, 20 words, and then somebody else will do the same, and then somebody will be like, I like these three, and then somebody will be like, I like that one. Like, it's just absolutely random. Yeah. We need to do the behind the scenes of the shaky town process. (laughs) Which is, who can you get? Let me see if I get somebody. No, no one's available. Or we do a mini set. (laughs) Life's hard. But we get great guests. I mean, you're a great guest. <laughs> no, I'm saying it, it, it seems to come, it seems for as much because talking about right. producing as producing right. as something. No, yeah, it's everyone. Um, I feel like the more people you have involved in something, the more difficult it is to find a chunk of time that everyone's available. Yeah, everyone's well, that's just what we're doing so crazy. This, yeah, it's it's really important. I mean, that's I think the biggest lesson is commit. Right. Get that. Well, and then you could plan your life around it. Precisely. Because things will always come up. Always, right. always, always. It's a long shot podcast. Yes. A lot of great guests that you know um, from the comedy community. Yeah, it's been really surreal. It's, yeah. It's been. Would you say the comedy community in Los Angeles is a small world? It absolutely is. And, that, <laughs> and what about you, Brody? I would say so too. Well, just even, we even even at the like we were referring to earlier at the Tompkins taping was right. you know, yes, a whole absolutely. bunch of people we know. I yeah. It felt. 
I, I don't think I said this on air yet, but it felt like a dream where it's like, and I know that person, yeah, totally. and that person. It felt, it felt like a different lot, parts of my it, life. It felt like a, like a dream because uh, when I saw Paul J, I think the last time I saw him, he had a beard. And I'm like, that looks like Paul J, but without a beard. <laughs> You're really <laughs> thrown by beards or not beards. Yeah. <laughs> well, you gotta... Well, like old school disguises really work on you. <laughs> yeah, especially if you extra bushy with the wire hooks that go over the years. Like, I don't yeah. know who that is. Yeah, I fool you good, huh? <laughs> yeah, it's like a Chico Mark beard. Uh, put on some uh, Mark's glasses. Yeah, 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 totally. <laughs> uh, anyway. Yeah, so it is, it's a really small community. But talking about finding time and it's that the open mic thing and, and it being a small community and it is like you know let's call it the same 40 or so people that right swirl well, and there's the there's others but yeah there's the core yeah, there's group a core that you'll group see of, everywhere yeah there's there's a core group of and 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 depending on your style of comedy and where you go um i've never done the open mics or hung out at like the big you know your improvs and your laugh factories and things like that but with the improv lab it's getting a little different that that scene the improv lab is yeah, yeah super totally, totally. alt even though i hate saying that <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm, but it is there are there are different crews yeah, that totally have different, different styles totally different for whatever whatever you want yeah, to call it exactly them. yeah 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 well it's like music i mean you know yeah. it's like different genre yeah um but uh yeah yeah but that open mic thing is there's a perfect example of of having things planned out versus versus uh, you know free form. It's like if you're really hammering them hard, you have a hard schedule and you go to different places every week. But man, if you're just kind of off the cuff, which is what I was doing when I first started open micing, oh, it's the worst thing. Yeah, the worst thing if you don't have it lined up. But it takes so much time. But I also I warn people against because I have friends who are like, oh, I can't go tonight. I don't have anything prepared, and I'm like. You never will. Just go. Yeah. Just go. And like the fear of knowing you have to go up next, you'll be amazed what you write down in that You know segment. what? You know what? <laughs> you know what? Open because mic. you just will never have anything ready then. And 17 years will go by. Right. And well, and it's like, well, what do you, you know, what do you need for most open mics in this town? What? Five minutes? Right. I can do five minutes. And there's three minute work-ins all the time, which, yeah. I could do five minutes standing on my head. You know, it's like, I'd have to think about it for about 30 seconds, but I could pull five minutes of material boom but <laughs> you, as spoken here by the way audience by two stand-up comedians who do this and know this and don't understand how scary it is no for... it's absolutely scary i feel like you're I being a little cavalier about what's sc- going up and doing I, five minutes of talking really? yeah maybe <laughs> but i'm but i'm like you i, I i'm not uncomfortable on stage right. which is the huge right. which for most people for most people, getting up and saying words is the hard part, I would say. Mm-hmm. I mean, ultimately, writing good material, well, we all know from open mics that that doesn't happen often, but uh, getting up and just doing the stage time and getting in front of a microphone is the important part. And and that's what I think, when I've given advice to people, that's basically what I've said. Well, I think what's freaky about stand-up, especially when you're first starting, or I guess maybe always, is that there's no middle ground. It's extremes. You're either going to get off stage feeling like crap and wanting to hide in a hole, or you're going to feel like exuberant and like a success. There's very rarely that you're like, eh, like there's... Yeah, you're right. You're right. It's extremes. And that's, that's what's scary is the gamble. You don't know which, where you're going to land. Kicked or not. Yeah. Yeah. I, I guess. I mean, I think open mics are a different animal 
book shows, I think, are definitely... Open mics, to me, after the first however many dozen, I, I, I think I really got a handle on the fact that, oh, this isn't comedy. No, yeah, this it's going to the gym. Yeah, it's... exactly. So it's like, I, I don't really care if, you know, somebody yeah. sees me fall on the treadmill. It was a real eye-opener because I remember... Um... When I was first going to Mike's, I saw somebody, and I saw them at Mike's all the time, and they were fine. They were just okay. Sure. And then I saw them at a show, and they floored me. They blew me away with how good they were. And then I, that's when it dawned on me, like, oh, like, A, don't judge these people by what they're doing right. at open mics. And B, don't worry. Try stuff out. This yes, is where you do it. Exactly. The thing that open mics, actually the biggest skill open mics taught me besides the fact that knowing their place is... Um, knowing their place in the, knowing their place in the performance See, world, yeah, you know your place. Uh, knowing their place in the performance world uh-huh. is uh, <laughs> writing stuff, responding to other comedians. Mm-hmm. You know, listening to somebody else's set and like somebody did a, you know a KKK joke or whatever. I could have you know something if I went up after them and say you know do a Nathan Beth- Bedford Forrest joke, which. Gets them rolling in the eyes. <laughs> even in, even in he says modestly. <laughs> Did I tell you about Sean Conroy? <laughs> um, yeah, no, it's oh. it's weird. I have, um, I get frustrated a little bit, but I understand that people don't understand how it works, but I still get frustrated because I have friends now who are like, I want to start doing comedy, and it feels like they're like, Make me a comedian, right. and it's like what you were saying before. It's like cool. Well, so I would think they are Kathy Griffin. Well, <laughs> <laughs> but um, it's like what you were saying before. It's like cool. Like I would love to support you in doing comedy here where the mics are. Yeah, that's it. Like there's no trick. There's yeah. nothing to yeah, there's, learn. And there's no. And that's yeah. And there's no formula for it. Yeah, and and and, uh, and there's no path. There's fifty ways to get there. Right. And none of them are right and none of them are wrong. Well, and there's no real way to track even your progress because it's so specific. Like, me getting better at stand-up is going to look a lot different than you getting better at stand-up. And it's going to be at different paces. So it's like, it's impossible not to do because it's human nature. But every time I compare myself to my peers, you just start going insane. Yeah. And it's... To no avail. It doesn't yeah. do any good. That's actually uh, there's that you that I just had kind of an epiphany. You, that's another lesson from open mics. Is I used to get really, I used to get really ragged out. Like I've gotten bumped in a couple of open mics for some schmuck who is right. a friend of the person running the right. mic. But that's how it is. And 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 I would be really fucking pissed because I didn't get my two and a half minutes right. of bullshit. <laughs> right. You know after driving out and sure. doing the whole nine yards. And yeah, and the, you can't compare yourself to people. You can't get angry about the process because the, I don't know if we were on mic when we mentioned this, but the portability of stand-up. Yeah. How it's just you. you and it really is just you no matter what. Right. Whether you're performing in front of a thousand people or you're performing in front of ten of the same people you're going to see tomorrow night at Bar X doing you know an open mic you're always there with yourself and that's it. You're right. the only measure of it. Which yeah, is you're the not good hauling a drum kit, you're not hauling amps, it's you. Right. 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 Yeah. Hauling your jokes and your dreams. And to that end, even though it's portable with music, you can like sit in your bedroom and practice a song and 
Yes, true. And that's viscerally true. see yourself yeah. get better at Absolutely. playing that song. With stand-up, you don't really... I mean, you could practice with yourself and you could, in the mirror, or record right. yourself, but it's not the same. You, It is a relationship with the audience. Mm-hmm. So you need mics to get better. You right. can't just get better in your room before you start doing mics. And I think right. people want to be good before they start. Right. I, I'm just... I'm going to use I statements. I know part of... Like, are we having an intervention now? <laughs> Nonviolent communication. Oh, I grew I up in a hippie commune. Um, uh, do you need the do you, do, you, do you need the talking Dr Pepper <laughs> Dr Pepper can? But um, that like that stopped me. It's like you didn't want to start doing it till you were good, but you were never gonna get good till you started doing it. Right. Yeah. 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 You, well, that's and that's kind of the whole. That was. So you just kind have of, to be okay with like you're gonna suck at first. Right. And, it's and it's a process. Yeah. But 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 I think you and I have the, the fact in common that the biggest hurdle for most people is a performance hurdle. Right. Is is not the content or their skill set in delivering it. Mm-hmm. Simply walking out on stage, shaking the MC's hand, and saying hi, I'm Gene George. Right. Which would be odd for you to do. Right. Unless you're doing one of your maybe one of your character. famous characters. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's funny because she put on the Gene George beard, right. and I didn't even recognize her. <laughs> But Who yeah, is that? but that's but that for most people is you know weak in the knees and you yeah. can't think of what you're doing. And Amber, this whole time, like you're also um, supporting yourself with a day job. I am. Yeah. I work for the bad guys. <laughs> <laughs> and I don't even. And I've, I for, forgive me if this has been tread over before uh-huh. on the, the podcast on, on Long Shot. I'm not thinking of it, but like to go from playing community to working for the banks. Uh huh. Is is it? I, I talk about it on stage sometimes. Like yeah. that's that's my version of rebelling against my child. I, I, I assumed when you said the bad guys that you were working for cowboys with big mustaches <laughs> and black hats. Um, yeah, it part of it is rebelling. Part of it is actually from what they instilled in me, in the sense that they're in their sixties, they barely have any retirement money. Mm-hmm. They're shitting a brick now because they didn't. They were hippies their whole life, and yeah. they didn't plan right. ahead. So they're like, get health insurance, get a four hundred one k. Like every time I even like hint at possibly quitting my job, they're like, don't do it. Yeah. And so it's like, um, it's a weird. They're so freaked out and have no idea how to live in the world because they haven't for thirty years. Right. Yeah, that it's like. The most, like, I would love to, you know, wait tables. Well, I don't know what that, but um, (laughs) (laughs) I would love to, like, I know a lot of people who just sort of hustle, Mm -hmm. and I love that idea, but it also really freaks me out that I would not have enough to pay my bills at the end of the month. And I like that I know exactly how much I'm going to make ahead of time. Yeah. I don't have to do that math. Yeah. I think at least the three of us at this table can agree to that strategy, because, uh, well, I'm between gigs right now, but but I mean, I work in television, and right. so it's like, are we going to get picked up? Are we right. not? Who knows? Right. Gene, you have a, we'll just say a day job. That's, I think, what we've always said. Yeah. We won't specify who. Okay. He works for the bad guys, too, though. Oh, cool. No, I don't. No, I'm just kidding. No, actually, I don't work for the bad guys. Huh. I work for a nonprofit. <laughs> I do, actually. Um... I just forever. Oh, the strategy of knowing how much you're going to make. Thank you. Um, I'm amazing at that game, P.S. Bring me in any time. <laughs> I always know what people are just talking about. <laughs> um, you know, yeah, it's 
my wife and I talked at some point when we were figuring out, like, what are we going to do now? You have an amazing place to live. Thank you. <laughs> so you're doing something right. But we did, there's a specific commune she's always been kind of, like, interested in, like, even just academically, like, oh, this is what they do there. Right. Um, I forget the name right now. That's not important, really, to this uh, conversation. Just that, you know, that was the big thing. It was like, well, what happens if 10, 20, 30 years down the line we look at it you know, we're done. We're like, no, we, we want to get right. back to normal society. And, and you don't have a resume. You don't have a bank account. Like, right. You kind of have nothing. Yeah. Because everything, everybody just kind of pitches in their efforts to keep things mm-hmm. running. Which is beautiful. Yeah. Even if... Commies. <laughs> even if you have a, a product, like there's these communes that they sell tofu. And like... Classic. Yeah. <laughs> and a commune that makes tofu? I love it. I think, I think hemp... Like sandals would be the only thing <laughs> yeah. that could possibly be more hippie than a commie right. that makes tofu. But that revenue just goes right back in the community. Right, right. running. So, and and, and some communes Man, fail. But do you really want to be a slave to the right. tofu machine? Like they break up. Right. It's not even just a matter yeah. of like. You just Mo- I would, it's a relationship would, just like anything else. I, I would. Right. Like I would venture to say. Want to end. That. Well, not even just that. Yes, there's that, but I'm saying like they can't sustain themselves anymore. Right. I, I would right. venture to say it with with you know communal and utopian communities more than not i mean over the history of and i them. think gene and i might you're gonna say something probably we talked about in private conversation when you talked me out of <laughs> most of them break up eventually i mean <laughs> yeah, there, it, there are a few and far between that actually are become a sustainable well community. and and what i was gonna say before is like human nature always comes into play yeah. like right. where i grew up it's gorgeous if you go there now it is stunning it looks like paradise yeah um there's fruit trees and the songbirds land right. on your shoulder. But and... people will find something to have <laughs> well, conflict about. Like, right. I don't like these light bulbs. And it's just like, ugh. Like, they will yeah. find a way to be unhappy. Yeah. Yeah. That's how people are. And people it's, are generally and it's that's like a not very optimistic way of looking at things. But but I think history bears that viewpoint, that bleak viewpoint about humanity out over its arc. I mean, be, the, the simple fact that we are not living in a perfect world where everyone is happy means that <laughs> right. even when in, in this country where in general while there is a greater growing gap of inequity between the rich and the poor we still have it really good in this country right. for the most part right you know it's like most people in this country go to bed not knowing where they're yeah, most people in the world go to bed not knowing where their next meal is coming from right right you may have shitty food like McDonald's, but it's cheap and plentiful. Oh my god! When, so you can scrape up sixty nine cents. You can get a loaf of white bread a buck now. I think. I mean, I was always like kind of an optimist, but going to Africa, like that, is really where that was instilled in me. Because uh, I met this guy Milton, biggest smile you'll ever see in right. your life. Just like this ball of joy, this heart. Just like ah, um, he hadn't seen any of his family in two months. He was he was in South. South Africa as a refugee right. from, um, I forget now, like Namibia or something. Mm-hmm. The last he had seen any of his family, the government, the government of the country he lived in was breaking in because like there was rumor that one of them was sleeping with someone, someone, something. So he hasn't heard from any of yeah. them. They could all be dead. No yeah. idea. Still like he had every reason in the world to feel sorry for himself yeah. and he didn't? But I'll tell you right now. And like we're he like, oh my because, iPod. Yeah, I'm alive. <laughs> right, but I mean, we're like, oh my iPod slow today. Like it's just like, shut 
Ah. <laughs> not even not even my iPod slow today. You, like you're mad at it. The, the shuffle brought up a song that's right. embarrassing. And like, it's just I don't know. It just yeah. You could always put things in perspective. Well, see, this is a perspective is I think what everybody lacks, and and or most people in in the developed world lack. Mm-hmm. And I mean, and I'm guilty of it too. We all. Oh, are. No, we all are. We're products of where we live, and, and we it. feel sorry for ourselves, and we want things that I know the, I do. The media tells us we should want. Well, <laughs> and, and and I think that the angst from not getting the right shade of lipstick, it's out. And you're Don't angry get me about started. it, or or you know, or your tire's gone flat, or whatever. Simple pain in the ass things that go on. There are people who are getting hacked to death with machines. Right. That's just right. you know. But well, and, but the angst of it, right. I think, is just as real. It doesn't necessarily mean it's right, but I think you know you can be a teenager and be throwing your hands up and whining and moaning. Right. But, I know I have mixed feelings about like clinical depression for that reason because mm. it seems like such like a like a rich white person um, privilege because here's the thing you can't be depressed in Africa you need to go walk those three miles to get your rice like you can't just be yeah. like I don't feel like it I'm gonna sit on my couch so it it's hard for me not to think that it's I don't know I sound like Tom Cruise now but uh, <laughs> You're being glib. You're being glib, Matt. Um, but, uh, but, uh, but, like, it, it, that in some way it's, like, just just get over it on some level. Well, no, but I, I think, know that there are chemical things. Like, I don't know. That's why I'm torn about it. Well, we can, we can. Like, we, we have the focus, time we yeah, can we afford can focus, to be We can focus on. Yeah, no, that's absolutely true. <laughs> no, I think that's absolutely true. There's, there's a couple things going on with that. I think we can focus on those things because we have an abundance in other areas. Right. And. I also think that most other cultures are, I won't say cruel is kind of the wrong word, but but I think that maybe there's there's an element of cruelty to it where it's just like maybe more Darwinian in that if you really are crippled by depression, you die. Right. You just die. There's nothing for you. Right. You don't get hauled, you know. 200 miles to right. the nearest hospital, mm-hmm. you know, or across three countries to a you right. know, a developed nation that actually cares about things like psychiatry. Right. You just are, you're the crazy person. You right. shit yourself in the street and maybe you're in part of a culture where that's, you know, heralded as a mark of being touched by the gods. So people feed you when they see you. Right. And then someday you're run over by a Jeep and you die. And that's just <laughs> the, what, that's just how mental illness is dealt with. Mm-hmm. And if you're crippled by, right. you know, schizophrenia or depression or things like that, you just die. Most places, right. that's what happens. Right. And, that's yeah. not. I'm not for that. No, either. no. But I'm saying but that's just. The, I think that's just a fact. I yeah, think we should do it like that here. <laughs> so, you've embraced the, so you've embraced the. So you've embraced the. Amber's insane. You've embraced the full-on neoconservative ideal. Right. We've called her to the dark side. Um, yeah, I, I, but I mean, I just think that's a fact. Is, yeah. is there's no room for it, and we have room for it. Here. Right. Yeah. And also, I guess um, it's back to the like time thing. If you're just working. All the time, you don't. You're not inside your own head. You're yeah, if you're working really hard to survive, yes, yeah. absolutely. You don't have time to think about how horrible your life is. Right. Well, I have a picture up in my. Sorry, I I, I I love. Um, I think it's. Oh, it was a Freakonomics podcast. I'm a nerd, but um, they did this whole one about uh, suicide that was so fascinating, and um, actually, in cultures that have like worse lifestyles. 
they have way less suicide. Right. And it's interesting because like one argument is like, oh, like if your life isn't worth living, but it like auto- it contradicts that. Yeah. It's, it's yeah. more about having time to think about if your life's I, worth living. Well, yeah, it's like yeah. the high rates of suicide in um, Scandinavian countries. Because right. you have a winter where basically you're sitting around mm-hmm. doing nothing but thinking about how fucking cold it is and horrible and bleak and dark. They also said on that podcast it's a problem because no one in society sees it as a problem. Anytime someone commits suicide, they're, it's like, oh, It's that's a self-correcting <laughs> problem. Well, it's like, oh, that's kind of heroic. Oh, really? Mm-hmm. Mm. I don't think that's... See, I... I, well, it's it's usually in older men. It, listen to the podcast. I'm just going to recreate right, the entire right. podcast. No, come on. It's, a, <laughs> it's um, really good. <laughs> but I have, a, I have a picture up uh, in my cube at work, of which shows you exactly how much I suffer. Um, I have a picture of uh, a guy named William Kumquamba, um, who gave a TED Talk. Um, and basically his deal is he went to the library and learned how to build a generator out of the scrap that he found in you know the scrapyard right. which i can't imagine no, what I gets know. thrown away in like a sub-saharan african country but he put together a generator he built a generator to charge cell phones and a, a wind power generator and he basically started charging people's cell phones and his family basically can eat because he built a generator out of bicycle parts and probably yeah. some 60 year old you know, electrical, you know, theory guide from some fly blown library in the middle of Africa. That's amazing. There's times that I'm too tired to do my dishes. <laughs> right. <laughs> we're, we're jerks. You have dishes. <laughs> right, you have dishes. Right. Because like, I'm so licked, full. You haven't, licked, you haven't had to lick them clean. <laughs> right. And then give them to your sibling <laughs> to lick clean. Yeah, exactly. You have dishes, right? You didn't have your your food wasn't cooked in like a, a you know a plantain, leaf <laughs> and it's a ball of rice with if you're lucky like a peanut in it. Sounds actually kind of good. Pretty good though. I'm totally hungry. Speaking of food, and this is probably my last question, Amber Kenny. Oh, what is Hot Dog Volcano? Hot Dog Volcano is a sketch group that does still currently exist. We don't have any dates on the calendar right now, but it's um, me and my writing partner Jane Becker. Going back to the small worldness, mm. we met in Sean Conroy's Sketch 201 cool. class. Yeah. Um, she's also friends with him, and um, she's so funny. I'm just, you know, those people that you just like latch on to, like, you're funny and amazing and talented, and maybe if I'm next to you, people will mistake me for that. <laughs> I don't know, Brody, how does that make you feel? <laughs> That's how Gene and I started this podcast. <laughs> I plucked him from the UCB line. <laughs> Well, she's on a mod team. Um, she's a writer at UCB, and um, yeah, we we still introduce ourselves. We were talking about this off air as like, "This is my writing partner." We haven't done anything in a little right. while because we've, <laughs> right. we've both been so busy. It's yeah. it's one of those things. I did want to mention this real quick. Um, Take your time. There's an argument between um, like taking one thing and just focusing all of your attention on it, mm-hmm. like. Um, I did that at the beginning of this year with stand-up. I kind of dropped off doing sketch for a while. But then I missed it because I like sketch and I'm good at it. Yeah. <laughs> um, and Humble. But it's one and of humble. those things. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Pot kettle. <laughs> Didn't they teach you humility at your hippie commune? 
Wouldn't that be that would be the awesome hippie commune where it's like everything's like normal hippie except they're just complete bragger a-holes. That's game. <laughs> Boom. Sorry. Um, but like sometimes I worry that I'm stretching myself too thin yeah, and just like doing concerned. everything half-assed because now I'm just starting that sketch team we have our sure. first meeting on tuesday and i have an open mic i have a podcast i'm trying to do as many open yeah. mics as possible and book as many shows i don't know yeah that's a recurring theme on this show like yeah. we, we, we've we I've, I've called it this phenomenon of uh, i'm sure some one of our other guests called it this is throwing things against the wall and seeing what sticks right yeah i like thinking was raising it up the flagpole and see who salutes it <laughs> <laughs> um but and you brought in storytelling like yeah i should start doing that like when? When am I going to do that? Yeah. But, um... I do a podcast, and that's what I do, because <laughs> there's no time for... There's barely right. time for this. Yeah. I'm sure my wife is, like, wanting to, wanting to beat me. Aww. No, no, she's fine. Uh, but, I love her. But, yeah, I've decided to do that, like, wrong or right, because I do think there is merit in just, like, focusing on something and getting really great at it, putting mm. your 10,000 hours in, mastering it, but I, um... But like, what if I pick the wrong thing? Yeah. And so I feel like it's that it's the, the concern. Yeah. It's the throwing everything against the wall. Like I feel like the universe, not to get too hippy dippy, but it's how I grew up. But the universe um, will reveal to me like what I should be doing. No, and I think I'm on the right path. The universe doesn't give a flying fuck about what you. That's doing. not true. Uh, <laughs> but I think you know what though. I, I think the the. It, like I said before, I hated improv until mm-hmm. I learned what real improv was and how it, and now I, I see how it kind of informs performing in a holistic sense. Oh, hippie boom. Um, you want to go? You want to go? go? Let's, Let's do this. Do this. Um, the, uh, uh, how it informs, you know, all the other performing, whether it's comedic or not. And I do think that, that stand-up is a very specific skill. Mm-hmm. Um, sketch and writing and acting are probably way closer, you know, and improv is improv. Um, improv is a, a different beast, I mm-hmm. think, because it's, it's, it's more, you're writing on the fly, essentially. And so that whole skill set of listening and, and paying attention to what's going on around you is way different. The only thing I can think of would be similar would be like crowd work when yeah. you're doing stand-up. Like hardcore crowd work. Yeah. Um, but even then, it's still I less. T- I took an improv class earlier this year, and I found, um, A, that doing stand-up so seriously in that year had made me more comfortable doing improv, because mm-hmm. I was like, yeah, I'm used to this. I stand up on stage, and I don't know what's going to happen next. Like, bring it. Like, right. in 101, I was, like, a little freaked out, but it, I, I, I took a year between taking 201, and I was just, like, I was just again, more comfortable, but also I felt that taking the improv class kind of opened weird um, creative channels in me mm-hmm. to help my stand-up. So, like, again, I feel like it does all inform each other, or maybe I'm just trying to rationalize No, 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 no. I, I, well, I'll validate that, because <laughs> I think the same thing. I think it's the exact same thing. And from something, especially from something that I really almost, I grudgingly did it. I kind of, and, and actually... Uh, my wife has paid for a couple of my classes as presents for various things. The improv, the one-on-one class I bought for myself. So I actually took the plunge on my own, yeah. you know, to do it. And it really is a, it was a, a you know, a, an eye-opening experience. And I, and I think, I think it's totally valid. So whatever creative processes of paying attention to what's going on around you and working off of the things that you're given by other people and finding out what's interesting about something 
all works for writing or performing. It's all the same thing. I really do think so. So, you know, a, a base of improv. So I should keep on keeping on? I think you should. <laughs> I think you should keep on trucking. That was going to be the next one I said. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. So Amber, you can be found on Twitter, Amber underscore Kenny. Correct. And people... K-E-N-N-Y. So yes. people love... Like Tom thro- Kenny. Yes, and people love throwing E's in there, like yeah. phrasing. Yeah, like Kenny. <laughs> like, it's a lot simpler than people make it sometimes. <laughs> it can't be that easy. Right? <laughs> um, yeah, K-E-N-N-Y. And they can find your show at thelongshotpodcast.com. Correct. And uh, while Hot Dog Volcano doesn't have dates coming up, uh-huh. you do. I do. I have some. It. I just had a slew, so we just missed a bunch that I could have promoted, but um, at the end of the month... We have a time machine, so we could could totally put this up a couple weeks ago. (laughs) On October 30th, I'm going to be performing a part of Shtick or Treat, um, the special Halloween show where all comics do sets as different comics. I love that idea so much. I I was just an audience member last year, and it was so much fun, so I'm really excited. Um, I'm nervous because I may have gotten myself... Who are you going to do? I don't know if I should say. Oh, don't say if you don't want to. I won't say. But say I'm, enough the air. I but know. I may have gotten myself into something that I can't do. But <laughs> uh, challenges. Um, and then I'm d- on uh, November 2nd, I'm doing Beer in the Shower. And November 14th, I'm doing Keep It Clean at Public House. Cool. And again, every Monday you can see me at the Palace. Awesome. And where's Beer in the Shower? Dreams. Okay. We will have... Look <laughs> that up. You can figure this we'll out. We'll have information up on the... Uh, the site, shakedownradio.com. Uh, as always, you can find me at brodyhubber.com. I'll link you to my Twitter and everything else. Gene George is on Twitter as well. Oh, yeah. Gene George. Yeah, all one word. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, yeah, that's where we're at. What are you looking at me for? What am I supposed to do? <laughs> do something. Say something funny. Say something. Say something funny. Hey, guys, say something funny. Hey, say something funny. funny. Tell, tell a joke. You're a comedian. You're a stand-up comic. Tell us a joke. <laughs> I, I was actually at a work thing that, that we were all going out to for drinks or some damn thing. Um, <laughs> I can't remember if we were actually like just going out for drinks or we were at a restaurant, but I totally got that. Like, you're doing stand-up. Tell us a joke. I was trying to think of... Oh, let me figure out... First, let me think of the no, worst joke I can do. You just say no. That's what you say. You just say no. You say no. Come to one of my shows. Yeah, good luck with that because I didn't do that. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you. It Why nev- don't you but n- use our time machine? But it never works. You know that it never works to tell a bit in front of like three people. <laughs> but I didn't tell. I didn't really. Work. I didn't really actually it's tell. I didn't tell. I didn't do. I didn't do like five everyone. minutes. It's embarrassing for no, them. I told a joke. It's embarrassing I told for a you. Specific <laughs> joke. Are you like knock knock? No, no, not joke. But whatever. Close. A you know, street a, joke? Just a plain old set up punchline joke. <laughs> I can't even remember what I told him. I, I, I don't know what the hell I told him. Anyway. But yeah. Horrible. Worst thing. Yeah. Don't do it. I didn't think that kids, I had that Kids. Kids. Out there. Don't ever. And, and if you know someone who's a comedian. <laughs> Save yourself. Don't ask them to do that. They're going to. And oh. also they're not listening to this. The people that will ask. <laughs> this is true. Right. <laughs> but what you should listen to is the long shot podcast. And Amber Kenny is... Tragically keep trying to wrap this up and we just no, like... No, no. I, yep, yep, yep. I just wanted to give you credit for as much as oh, thank you. Flam and Pepitone and Conroy uh, amuse me. You are what got me sucked into that podcast. What? And staying on it. Yeah. Get out of here. What yeah. are you talking about? You, you Go on. Everybody knows. How you're, like the, you're like the pool filter at the bottom of the pool holding the uh, infant down. <laughs> and Brody's the infant. <laughs> 
We love hearing you. On that was show. horrible. We love hearing you laugh on that show. It was horrible. We appreciate you coming and laughing on our show. Oh, thanks for having me. Yeah. <laughs> so until next time, I'm Gene George. I'm you don't Bar- have to. You don't have to cue me on that. Like I don't know how this works. I will point to myself and cue to myself. <sighs> and Brody Foster Hubbard. You better point to me because I get confused real easy. Um, I'm Amber Kenny, and uh, I hope I didn't talk too much. <laughs> Bye. It's the beard that's confusing. (laughs) The song you heard today is Long Shot by the Jamaican reggae vocal trio The Pioneers, who have been around since the 60s. Uh, You can find out more about them at pioneersreggaegroup.com. Hey, everybody. This is Gene. We've set up a donation station at shakytownradio.com slash donate for you to donate money to us if you like our show. Um, You can also click the donate button on the Shakytown Radio. It's really easy to do via PayPal. Um, We'd like to thank everyone who's donated in the past and look forward to bringing you more Shakytown Radio in the future.